Ladies, Femme Fatales, and Super Pirates, welcome to the latest episode of Marvel vs. Marvel. If you don't know, you should know. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life watches a Marvel movie or TV show and then quizzes someone who is a veritable Marvel expert, a comedian who was taught to read with Marvel comics. That is the format of the show, and welcome to a special episode, a deeper dive into the Black Widow. There are no spoilers ahead. Don't worry. (laughs) We do not spoil anything that takes place in the latest MCU movie, Black Widow. We're only going to be talking about things that you will see in the trailer. So if you think the trailer is a spoiler, if you're avoided all the trailers for The Black Widow, then uh, yeah, I mean some spoilers, because we're going to talk about the people that appear in the trailer. But we're not going to ruin the movie for you, even though uh, Will and myself have both seen the movie um, and had a lot of fun doing so, didn't we, Will? Yeah, yeah, we always have fun, you know, us two. When, 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 when don't we have fun? <laughs> well, I mean, if the movie wasn't good, we wouldn't have fun. Oh no, of course not, of course not, of course. But the movie was good. It was well, I, 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 I liked it, but then again, I don't think it was a, a very strong start to Phase Four. Yeah, well, I'm going to be upbeat and positive at the start of the show on a Black Widow episode, especially. I'm going to welcome <laughs> in all the Black Widow fans and say it was a good episode and I really enjoyed it. Oh, a so good, a good movie. Sorry. So when you asked if I if I enjoyed it. I was supposed to say yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> On the Black Widow episode, you're supposed to like Black Widow. I think that's kind of how yeah. Listen, was it a perfect movie? No, but it yeah. was a lot of cool stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and um, there was some... I mean, oddly enough, we liked... The half of the movie we both liked <laughs> is the opposite half. Like, I love the whole start, and you love the whole end, and then we're both iffy on either side of it, which for, is fun. For first five minutes, I was really on board with. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. I, I don't... Uh, we, we, we'll handle a deeper uh, analysis of the movie when we get round to doing it on a regular episode, I think, rather than a deeper dive. Six years in the future. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, when we finally get there on our journey. Um, we, yeah. As ever, we work hard not to kind of uh, ruin upcoming movies that we haven't talked to, because The Black Widow is way ahead of our particular Marvel journey. We're not there yet, um, but we're going to get there slowly, steadily, gaining all the context along the railway lines as we go. Oh, speaking of which, did you see the news the other day that they've they've pretty much plotted out Marvel movies for the next 20, 30 years? The MCU's been plotted out for the next 20, 30 years. I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe it. Well, I think it was Mr. Feige himself claimed it or someone high up. They went, oh, we've plotted it out. And I'm like, you know what? It's really good to know that this podcast is never going to suddenly die. Never going to die. <laughs> never going to end. Um, well, you know what? We haven't done a check uh, recently. Uh, let's do a little. Uh, let's do a little format check. My name is Rob Holden, mm. and I was taught to read Marvel comics, and I've been reading them for close to thirty-four years of my life. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe even 35 years of my life. So that's my credentials, what I bring to the table. Willie P, is the format intact? How many Marvel comics have you read in your lifetime? What's the number? It's a big zero. It's still zero. Not only that, but Kevin Feige has a 30-year plan to stop me reading Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, you've, if you're a recent listener, you might have missed the, the, uh, the, the, the living hell, the, the torment that is Will's life. 
This was a great idea when we came up with it back yeah. in the middle of the first the first wave of the pandemic, the first lockdown when we couldn't gig and do anything or see people. And we were like, hey, there's only X amount of movies. Let's do it. Well, here we are. I With all I, that behind us. I know. I've had to read Alan Moore like a chump. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, we'll take you through the different histories of the Black Widow, the ones that change. We'll explore her life in Russia, the Red Room, her long-lost husband. We'll tell you exactly what is so cool about the Taskmaster... Tasky baby, and we'll delve into Russians, Russians, Russia's very own super soldier. That is all to come on this episode of that MVM cast. So, in this episode, uh, Will has watched the Black Widow movie. We are not going to ruin it, but he's got questions. We base the questions along the trailer that's been out for a long, long time, and the characters that are revealed to be in. The, the, the Black Widow movie from that trailer. Will has watched the movie, I've watched the movie. Will has got questions and I've got the Marvel answers. So we're not spoiling the movie, but we will be delving into the comic book history of uh, of the Black Widow, the other Black Widow, and some more things that happen. Um, we've got an awful lot of cool, cool, cool Cold War Russia things to get into and go through that. We'll be taking a look as well. Will has a, a his regular deeper dive in. Well, no, wait. This is the deeper dive. <laughs> wait, Will. Uh, we don't because we the format changes when we do it like this. It does. Um, so Will Will has not was not going to reveal production notes about the movie that just came out. Um, I really want we, to though because they are quite an interesting read. The figures, well, yeah, but the figures the, are very the interesting. Figures. Well, you can you can mention the figures by all means. Uh, I think it's the first Marvel film, uh, one of the only Marvel films where the uh, box office returns weren't that great. Obviously, well, no, that's a ridiculous. That's that that's no, no. I'm not having that on this show. <laughs> I'm not having that on this show. Oh, sorry. That's the fact- that is modern journalism. That is ridiculous. No, that was Wikipedia. Of that course, was- the only. Marvel movie during a pandemic <laughs> has not got particularly good box office returns. It is, however, the highest grossing pandemic movie that's been released. So ah. it's done very. You have to you have to com, yeah, compare it to the 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 skin in the game. The other players aren't doing as well. I know, I know. I I just have nothing else to compare it with at the time. You know, I don't want to compare it to Tenet. <laughs> did that come out during a pandemic? It did. That was quite. How did that do? Uh, not great, not no, great. It wouldn't do. So pandemic on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we can hold that against the uh, the movie. We both uh, used the, the Disney Plus uh, service to uh, to watch the latest movie from the comfort of our own homes. I had a thoroughly good time. Yeah, it was great. I I uh, I um, it was great watching and like a new movie that I really wanted to watch and do it doing it in the comfort of my own home. I am denied about going to the cinema, but. Health reasons with the family, we're kind of being a bit overly careful it's, at the moment. It's convenient for us because we can pause the movie. It's like you, it, it, people say, "Oh, I love the cinema. I love going to the cinema because I'm a kino man. I love watching films in the cinema." And I'm like, "Yeah, but do you get to pause it, mate? Because we all need to have a wee wee." We all. How did you watch it? Did you watch it on your big TV downstairs or something? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, did you? How did you do it with Disney Plus? Did you do it through a Google Chrome thing, Google thing in the back of the TV? No, or? I've got the app. Oh, in the TV? Oh no, I've got a Roku device. Oh, right, because I had a, such a hard time using Disney Plus on uh, the, the Google dongly thing that goes in the back of the TV. 
Uh, I think I, I think a few people. Well, the Chromecast, you mean? Yeah, that's the one. The Chromecast. Yeah. So you're I, just a casting issue then. That's the problem. No, I don't know because Netflix is fine. YouTube's fine. Disney Plus issue. I I think I think there's something going on there. Well, well, <laughs> more on Will's investigative reports into the Disney Plus app in our next episode. Um, <laughs> I'll put that in the production notes. Would you like to learn about the Black Widow's history, Will? Rob, yes, I would. Because we touched on this a little bit in our Iron Man Two episode, yeah. but that was a that was I'm going to call that a shallow dive, Ooh, not even a dive. A we pad- dipped our toe in. We had a little paddle. I don't think we even had a paddle. It was a big toe in the water, um, <laughs> and there is a lot to uh, for us to explore. Her name is not Natasha Romanov. Ooh. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. Her her name is Natalie Romanova. Romanova. Any idea why um, they changed it? Uh, it, it? It well, it changes in the comic books as well. It's the, like the Americanization. Um, there's an awful lot of that that goes place that goes on at the time, especially in comic books, and, and largely comic books that are written by um, Jewish authors. Um, of course, Stan Lee's name is not Stan Lee. Jack Kirby's name is not Jack Kirby. Ooh. But these are are are, are, um, are people that have faced such persecution that they do change. They're, they're very um, uh, European Polish sounding names to be more Americanized, more Westernized. Right. Um, yep. Families did that over the years. Russian families did because of a huge amount of persecution that went against Russians, uh, and also Polish people did similar things as well. But an awful lot of, of, of Jewish uh, immigrant families do, did kind of more Americanize their name, or in the case when it's a stage name and things. I think uh, Jack Jack Leibowitz, I think is is uh, sorry Stan Leibowitz stands. Um, uh, birth name, I think Lee Stan Lee is kind of a performing name, and mm. you know all the way the in- industries of various types could discriminate on someone because of their name before judging the work of that Shakespeare of the sixties. Um, <laughs> but in this case, you know, it's all tied in with um, Americanization, but also leaving Russia, Mother Russia, behind. She first appears um, in in 1964 in Tales of Suspense issue uh, number 52. Tales of Suspense is the comic book the Iron Man is in during the 1960s. It takes a while for characters like Thor and Iron Man and Captain America to get their own comic books named after them. They uh, all appear originally in these kind of compilation comic books. Mm. And Tales of Suspense would be the Iron Man comic for, for quite a while. Um, uh, Stanley is the uh, he's the is he the writer he's the editor and he is the sometimes credited as the plotter of Tales of Suspense uh, Don Don Heck the, the artist that, that um, co-created Iron Man and uh, a chap called Don Rico um, was writing the dialogue for Tales of Suspense at the time um, and those are the three guys that, that come up with um, or, or fully execute um, Natasha Black Widow on the page. She's originally a, a KGB agent sent out to to spy and disrupt the American capitalist swine Tony Stark. <laughs> this is, of course, as we talked about in our Iron Man episode back when Iron Man comics, when Iron Man the character was really anti-communist and really pro the Vietnam War. Um, which of course is the birthplace of of, of Iron Man, as we've discussed. Um, when he gets that shrapnel in his heart, it's um, from standing on one of his own landmines in in, uh, in Vietnam. It's a a lot less poetic than the rocket landing near him and him yeah. seeing Stark. Like 
this is horrible minefields then we know how awful minefields are yeah, they're awful. and uh they, these are all mine <laughs> um so iron man's only job at the time was kind of less like being a superhero and more protecting the capitalist interests of Tony Stark's weapons factories. Um, <laughs> and an awful lot of the antagonists and villains, they were either communist kind of spies and communist KGB agents, or they were industrialist saboteurs from rival capitalist countries. Um, when uh, the Black Widow first appears, she has no costume. Oh, okay. She is not like a super-styled character. Right. She is... Purely, like a like her name suggests, a femme fatale. Yeah, she I is suspect. like an evil KGB agent in a Bond novel, yeah, of course. or even maybe one of the early Bond films. Mm. Um, and her, in her first in her early early appear all her early appearances as this KGB villain, she wears like gorgeous like evening wear and a, a mink coat, um, and she always wears a veil. Hence the Black Widow. Ah. Whether she got the name first, the veil first, and whoever came up with the name, where no, 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 make her wear a veil. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Even when she's wearing a disguise, like like even when she's like wearing nightgowns and stuff, and you know, in disguise, she wears a veil. Yeah, that's the most. That's but, the, that's, the, that's a giveaway. Well, no, because it's not. She's a secret agent. Oh, but how many people know about Russian assassins and their names? How many people wear She's veils hidden. in day-to-day -day well, life? Well, you know, you know, at the time, it, it, it doesn't look weird. It does very much look like an affectation of a very rich person. It's not like a funeral. It's not oh. like a full wedding veil or a funeral veil. It's a very light, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's like a bit of an extra, an extra kind of affectation on a lovely hat. Yes, that kind of hat it's, that rich yeah, women used to wear. Yes, now I get that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, you're right. I should have explained that a bit better. I'm it's sorry. not like a full, <laughs> yeah. no one can see my face veil. Like, why um, are you hiding your face? Because I'm secret. Yeah, but now we're asking why yeah, you're not doing it. Yeah. No, it, it's a very fashionable... It's a fashion veil! Um, <laughs> sorry, I found that very amusing. She doesn't even have any like special gadgets or weapons at the time. Um, oh, she's she, she, in, intuitive or ingenuity. Uh, she, um, she's hot. Oh, she's one of those types. Yeah, femme fatale. She's hot. Yeah, and she can destroy men by being hot, and men are like, "Oh, Jesus, I want to do what you say." She does have <laughs> some, like I think her KGB agents call them bracelets, and I'm struggling to think. I think at the time, her she had bracelets. They couldn't do like the widow bite. Mm. You know, the electric zap zap. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do think they could um they could basically produce like a very strong bit of string for her to Ooh. swing around on. Um a bit like things are rotting. No, she doesn't seem she doesn't do she doesn't get her hands dirty, bro. Wow. She's a, she doesn't get her hands dirty at this stage. Yeah. Um she is assigned in her first in the first appearance to uh, assist Boris Toganov. Um, in the assassination of Professor Anton Vanko. Now, Anton Vanko is the original Crimson Dynamo, <laughs> who is the Cold War Soviet uh, answer to Iron Man in this giant, bulky armor. 
And he's had several clashes with Iron Man, but at this point, he's decided to defect from Soviet Russia when he sees the wonderful uh, life that Americans have. Um, so, uh, Khrushchev orders his two top agents, the Black Widow and Boris, of course he's called Boris, Yes. to, to like, basically get sneak into America, uh, kill Vanko, and kill Tony Stark, because Tony Stark has hired him and given him a job working in his factories um so he's gone from being like the most celebrated russian hero of all time to tony stark skivvy um <laughs> so they they travel to america in a secret submarine that no one spots Ooh. and as if it was hard enough to spot to not spot a submarine it has to be extra secret well, yeah, it has to be because they're not allowed to go to America. I, I know, I know, but it's just like the, the very nature of submarines are secret. So I just find the saying, uh, calling a submarine secret, you know, I know it's extra secret. I know, but it just makes me giggle. Well, okay, okay, uh, they, okay. they they arrive and um, they pose as a brother and sister duo. Mm. Uh, Madame Natasha is uh, Black Widow's pseudonym. And uh, Boris is her brother, uh, and they claim to be teachers from the Ukraine. Um, <laughs> Boris has, has travelled; he's a science teacher, and he's travelled to America to see Tony Stark's wonderful new technology. And he he wants a, a tour, and he he wants this, that, yeah. and the other to learn more to take back to his poor students in the Ukraine. And Tony is like, "Who's this hot babe? Shut up, Boris. Who's your sister?" <laughs> Um, I, I gotta, and, I gotta say, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I, I, the fact that, that we're is that we're not Russian; we're from the Ukraine. It's like American thinks thinks that anything don't, they don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah he's, I think he's to Germany back in the sixties was pretty yeah. much Russia anyway. So it's yeah. just like <laughs> Bulgaria, Ukraine. They don't really; they've got no real well, uh, knowledge of this. I, I, I know. I just, I, I think Ukraine is very, it's especially close to Russia as well geographically. So I just I think I think they do have to explain their accents though. That's probably a thing they they had to ha- they couldn't say howdy howdy we are from Texas. <laughs> we are from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Ah ah ah. Or maybe I, I don't know. Well, the thing with spies is they usually have to like learn an accent anyway. I mean, German spies nah. did that. Oh, okay, nah, nah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Minimalist. Nah. We'll do, we'll go Too- minimalist. Boris doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that can learn a different accent. Um <laughs> So Tony is like, listen, I'm going to take your sister out. <laughs> Why don't you have the keys to the factory, make yourself at home, walk around and learn all the things you can while I make time with your hot sister. Settle down, and put your feet up on the conveyor belt. <laughs> Madame Natasha is like, ooh, take me with you. Um, and so that's pretty much what happens. And, yeah. and Boris gets the... The factory to himself, he you know waits for the single guard to leave, um, and then he goes to a. The, the, there is a bit where there's like a restricted area that that you know guests can't see, but Boris has this this spray, yeah. That he sprays on the wall and it corrodes the wall Ooh. and the wall like vanish like just drips to mush, and he gets access to all this incredible stuff that he has uh, Vanko's laboratory so he gets access to the crimson dynamo armor yeah. that professor Vanko has invented yeah. um and he gets into a fight with uh with with, with uh professor Vanko bloody 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 blah there's a lot going on 
Um, but it, it mainly kind of ends for with the 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 Black Widow being wined and dined by Tony. There's a huge battle between Boris and Professor Vanko, and Boris is now wearing the Crimson Dynamo suits, destroying Stark's lab and stuff, and. Uh, Black Widow distracts him during the fight to try and get Iron Man to be killed. Remember, no one knows Tony Stark as Iron Man at this point. And in the end, there's a, a horrible explosion, and all the Russians uh, are dead except for the Black Widow. But she uh, manages to sneak out in the confusion. And um, the, the the like the day after, Tony Stark is finally informed by a report that. Madam Natasha was actually a KGB spy as well. Uh. Um, and Tony is like, he, 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 we see her on the run. Because he, in every issue, the, the Russians have to be abject in their defeat. Because it's just part of the weird propaganda Stanley is doing at the time. <laughs> uh, and so she's like on the run and she's abandoned and she's mm. alone and she's scared. And Tony is like pitying her. From a distance, but also talking about how hot she is. It was like it's a shame <laughs> a beauty like that could have gone far in America, oh. but she couldn't leave behind Russia. Um, and uh, I don't know. He, yeah. he kind of left his factory uh, vulnerable to a complete stranger because he got a bit horny. Like I, 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 I just find that bit odd. No, it's standard Tony Stark at the time. Standard Tony Stark. It's also standard James Bond movies, quite frankly. I, it's the femme fatale trope. It's the standard um, film noir um, it, it, or it, any crime noir. You know, the hot woman just leads the guy astray and um, yeah. he, he forgets his head. He forgets all of the things he's supposed to know and okay, leaves himself yeah. open to destruction. It is, it um, is a trope, but an entire factory, I'm like... Okay, okay, actually, yeah, you're right. You're he had right. a guard. He had a guard. He had a guard who walked off... <laughs> <laughs> in the next issue, Madame Natasha is back, and she's sends she writes a letter to Tony, and she's like, "Come on, let's have a date again." And Tony knows she's a KGB agent now, but he pretends to go along with it to see, um, you know, what's going on with her, and to try and lure her into a trap. Mm-hmm. She just easily knocks him out with a sleeping pill and his drink, <laughs> and when he. And then she steals an anti-gravity machine that he accidentally invented. And I do mean he accidentally invented. I was trying yeah. to invent a toaster, but here I am with this anti-gravity machine. No, he's trying to invent an anti-gravity machine, and it uh, hasn't worked, and he's so angry, he randomly wires certain wires together in frustration, and that makes it work. And uh, then he doesn't know how he's done it, so he can't make another one. There's only one in the world, yeah. and so a new a new arms race doth emerge for the anti gravity uh, machine. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, Black Widow knocks him out with a sleeping pill. When he wakes up, he's like, "Huh, I uh, underestimated her. I, I I I knew she was a KGB agent, and my plan was to get close to her. I just didn't expect her to do anything to me." <laughs> <laughs> And she's kind of on the outs a little bit with with KGB at the time, although she gets, wait, no, she gets uh, kidnapped slash rescued by the KGB, back to Russia, and then sent back to um, America with another uh, mission, which is very similar to all the other missions, which is kill Tony Stark, get rid of Iron Man if you can. Mm. Um, And that's where she meets Hawkeye for the first time. Oh, yes. 
So, um, Tony Stark... Oh, gosh. This is part of the love triangle, I think. So, Stark... Tony Stark is in this love triangle with Happy Hogan and uh, and Pepper. Yes. Um, and Tony, with a man with shrapnel in his heart, can never love a woman or be her husband, truly, for he is a damaged and broken man. <laughs> and he must put aside his love for Pepper Potts and keep pushing her towards Happy Hogan, who is an honest, down-to-earth schmuck who drives a car, but doesn't have <laughs> shrapnel in the heart, doesn't have to keep plugging himself into electric shaver sockets in case he dies. Or a lamppost. Uh, that was during yes, or a lamppost. So that's this is that, that that love triangle that's going on, and basically he he has to go on a date with Pepper Potts because <laughs> I forget why. Uh, but he's kind of finagled into going on a date with Pepper Potts, and he's desperate for it not to be romantic. So he takes her to Coney Island, um, which, if you don't know Coney Island, mm. it's not you know a uh, a romantic location. Um, it's a big fun. It's like it's yeah. like any if you're if you're in the UK, it's a fun fair on a pier. That's, that's why pretty much yeah, pretty much imagine yeah. Coney Island to be. And that's where they see Hawkeye, the trick arrow dude, firing <laughs> his trick arrows and being amazing with his arrow tricks. Um, and that's all introduced to him. Then, after the the, the fair has closed for the day, um, Hawkeye um, stops uh, a jewel thief. Um, he uses his arrows and he like stops the guy and then he bends down to look through the loot and to work out what's going on. And as he does that, the police arrive and they see a man in a mask with a bow and arrow <laughs> go rooting through a bag full of jewels that have just been stolen. And so Hawkeye's band is, is branded a criminal right from the get-go. And he's like, oh, this is not how I wanted to start my life as a superhero. I wanted to be like Spider-Man. Um, and so he runs off and a car just conveniently pulls up around the corner and is like, get in, I'll help. And when he gets in, it's the Black Widow. Ooh. And all it takes is him looking at those uh, stiletto heels and <laughs> the stocking legs. And Hawkeye is lost. Um, and she kind of takes him to this place and furnishes him with all this equipment to make these amazing new trick arrows that could take on Iron Man himself. Sort of. And they, they, they have this kind of partnership. And, mm. and she really downplays. She now is twisting him around her finger as well and she's like oh no no i'm not i'm not um no no no, i don't work for the kgb no oh no 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 people have got that all wrong like i kind of used to do a little bit of it but not anymore and like it was iron man that persecuted me and i would probably love forever slash jump into bed with any guy that could like be iron man and that's hawkeye lost he's just this he's thinking with his other head and he uh he he sets off on this life of terrible terrible crime, um, who, and that would br- who else hasn't tried to kill a CEO because the because of the love of a good woman? Who who else hasn't tried to throw bow and arrow a tech mogul or whatever? I'm coming for you, Bezos. I'm coming, coming for, for you. I did this for love. Crime will be mine. Um, so <laughs> that yeah, that doesn't go well. Mm. Um, and she well, she gets oh this is terrible she gets uh, kidnapped slash rescued again by the Russia 
And they give her, they're like, if you're going to prance around with Hawkeye and Iron Man, you need a costume. Enough of this wearing evening wear (laughs) to a fight where you just yell things and try to sleep with people. Now you must be a super agent. So she gets this horrible blue and grey costume with this awful mask. It's, It's so bad, man. It's so bad. She's got a little cape. Oh. A little half cape is terrible. That, that sounds impractical. Like at this point, she definitely has like gauntlets that kind of let her swing from the ceiling, mm. and she can she can scale walls as well, a bit like a spider, sort of. Yeah. Um, and she uh, goes back and teams up with Hawkeye like the third time, fourth time. They nearly beat Iron Man, but then they don't. And this time, she gets gunned down by the KGB. Ooh. In the street. Ooh. Admittedly, it's she's she's now flipped and she's fallen in love with Hawkeye. Mm. And so now she's planning to defect. Oh. And they kind of get wind of this and they shoot her down. And um, it convinces Hawkeye to abandon his, uh, his life of crime, which he didn't want in the first place. And Hawkeye goes off to join the Avengers and she kind of stays in hospital for a bit. Um she then gets brainwashed by the KGB. Um, I don't quite know why they did this, but they, they obviously wanted more bad guy Black Widow. So they undo her like rehabilitation that she'd been through and the fact that she was in love with Hawkeye. They have her brainwashed and she becomes like a evil KGB agent again and she puts together this team of sword man and power man and <laughs> um, they attack the Avengers... And she gets free of the brainwashing and kind of then becomes not a member of the Avengers but associated with the Avengers because she's now Hawkeye's girlfriend and Hawkeye's an Avenger. Ah, loads of okay. loads of that glorious Marvel tension. Um, as it's like, tension. Why, is, why is your girlfriend here? <laughs> why is she on missions with us? <laughs> if she's going to be here all the time, she has to start paying rent. That's the, <laughs> she can't have a key. She's not allowed a key to the mansion. Who else hasn't been in that situation before? Both sides of it. And so... She nearly... What is she... She's still portrayed as not being quite good... Not being quite moral enough for the Avengers. Mm. Um, There's there's some aliens doing some evil thing. And they've they've handily beaten the... um, The Avengers. And she's made it... At this point, she's being reviewed... By the Avengers as, is she allowed to be an Avenger? Is she good enough to join the Avengers? Mm. And this is kind of the proving ground, this battle. They're, they're called the ul- the ultro- the Ultras, the Ultroids. Um, and they've handily won, and there's kind of no way to beat them. <laughs> and then Hawkeye is like, tell you what, unless you stop, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and the Ultroids are like, ah ha ha, we fear you not, uh, human man. We know of your noble heroes and your vow not to kill a living soul. Very standard supervillain talk. Of course, yeah. Uh, and, and Black Widow pipes up the next minute with, oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm not an Avenger, mate. <laughs> and she she uh, points her like blaster to his head and is like, I will kill you. And he like scans her mind and is like, she is telling the truth, run away! <laughs> and that's how the Avengers win the day. But that's also her review her review period. Yeah. And so Captain America and Iron Man are like, not well, I don't know who's there. Captain America's certainly there, and it's like, mm. well done, Hawkeye and Black Widow. 
In the end, how did you defeat them? Did anyone threaten to kill anyone? Because as you know, that is a breach of our code of ethics. And Hawkeye like, covers that all up and he's like, no, 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 De- definitely, definitely not. We'd never do that. We just scared him off, mate. We just scared him away. And then he che- checks Altroid's Facebook or Twitter and it's like, oh, got got threatened to death by some crazy woman in a blue cape. In a veil. <laughs> in a veil, a blue cape. Yeah. And... Well, that that they, she, she gets this offer, then she's you may join the Avengers. Mm. Um, but as that happens, uh, cigar chomping one-eyed Nick Fury like jumps out of the sky and secretly on a giant rope from a heli carrier, and he's like, <laughs> "Come here, kid! I got a mission for you. Why don't you join Shield and go and spy on the KGB?" Um, and she's desperate to do that because um, that's she wants revenge on the people that shot her and betrayed her and all that sort of stuff. So by doing that, she has to turn down her Avengers membership. She can't be an Avenger. Ah. Um, and she publicly breaks off her relationship with Hawkeye. Um, I think she. I don't. I'm not. Enti- I think she has to go back to be a double agent. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But it breaks his heart. Yeah, she's she's. I'm fairly certain she she has to kind of go back to being pretending to be a KGB agent to to um, infiltrate, and she gets you know the, the press brand her as a traitor and stuff. Yeah. Um, and but but she comes back from that, and she's generally accepted later on that she is a, a hero. She gets this. Um, she does some stuff with the Avenger. No, she stops anything with the Avengers at that point, um, and she does various missions for Shield. And she kind of gets her own sort of her own short stories in, I think, Amazing Adventures for a brief period. Um, and around this time, she turns up in in, in uh, Amazing Spider Man, uh, Widow Spider Man. That seems like a good fit. Someone said, and that's when we get her in her her classic costume. That's when we see her with this uh, like flowing, gorgeous red orange hair. Yeah. Um, instead of she has black hair to begin with, and it's very fussy duddy in 1960s, <laughs> um, and she gets this sleek all black like leotard skin tight costume with the prominent kind of widow blast bracelets. That's the classic black widow look that crops up um, in, uh, in 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 the 1970s, and um, it's around this time, Will, that we get our first hints of Natasha's childhood and her history. Oh yes, yes, because this is where it gets interesting. The, the the first the first sort of taste of it comes uh, from Ivan Petrovich, Ooh. who in in the nineteen seventies she's introduced as as his as her sorry uh, chauffeur. He's a middle aged dude. He's her confidant and her mm. driver. And at this time she's. She's ooh, I nearly I nearly said tarting around with Tarting that, around, jeez. That is not the problem with that is it was not meant to be a judgment on Natasha. It's because Matt Murdock is one of the biggest tarts in the Marvel universe. <laughs> he is an absolute he's an absolute slag. So whenever someone <laughs> is associated with Matt Murdock, I generally always <laughs> use the term tarting around. But I realised with that explanation that could seem like an awful uh, moral judgment on Natasha, which it isn't. It's Matt Murdock. He like he's he's seven Kevin Bacon kisses away from having snogged Galactus. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a dirty boy, um, dirty man. She's 
cavorting around with Daredevil. They've got this crime fighting partnership and this romantic and, and, and romantic partnership as well. And um, Ivan Petrovich, the driver, tells Matt Murdock that he, Ivan, had been given custody of little Natasha uh, many years ago by a woman who died immediately afterward during uh, the Battle of Stalingrad in, in, in 1942. Mm. Um, and he felt committed to raise this little orphan as a surrogate father. And he eventually encouraged her to become a, a, a Soviet spy and join the KGB. Um, so that's one of our earliest little glimpses. Right. And as with a lot of characters, especially characters who have their origins in the 1940s, you know, things don't always stay that way. We get... We'll, we'll, do we come, we'll just do this now. It slightly contradicts um, something that happens in an X-Men comic in the 90s where we see that one of the earliest... In fact, the earliest meeting of Captain America and Wolverine was in 1941 where they went on this mission to save a little girl from the Nazis, and the little girl is little Natasha. Ah, but the sliding time scale makes that contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. For Natasha. Yeah. Or does it? Also in the 1970s, the Black Widow does the greatest thing that she has ever done, nay, that any Marvel character has ever done. Okay. She moves to Los Angeles and says, you know what? LA doesn't have a super team. I'm going to create one. And she gathers the most, the, the greatest, most logical collection of heroes together. <laughs> oh, yes, here we to go. To form the champions of Los Angeles. And she says, Who do I need on my team? I'm the Black Widow. I'm an ex KGB agent turned super spy. I'm going to team up with Iceman and Angel of the, the X Men that have broken up. That makes sense. <laughs> two mutants, not all of them, just two of them. And also, I need someone else. I Ghost Rider, who no one knows is a hero because his head's on fire and he clearly has something to do with Satan. And we operate in the day, and it's weird seeing him during the day. He's on the team. We need one more to round things out. How about the actual Greek god Hercules? <laughs> there we go. Yes. In the loincloth. Living with us in, in an office building in Los Angeles. And thus the champions were born. Just a quick question. Um, Do you think they're going to ever introduce Hercules into the MCU? Or will that be the point where people go, wait a minute? Why would it be a wait a minute? I don't know. It seems a bit weird. Okay, actually, no. I, I, I take a step back on that. They've already done that with Thor. It would it would seem like they're going to retread old ground with Thor, if you know what I mean. Like, we're taking an actual... Well, I say actually, yeah. you know, a mythical figure. This this just cropped up a couple of times, and from my here's my perspective on your perspective. Oh, okay. Like, so, um, you often feel mm-hmm. like, oh, that's really, oh, they do, oh, god, they've already got a Spider Man. Why would they need a such and such man? Like, you often get that. Yeah. Like, it's diluting or it's stretching yeah, the bounds of, yeah. of kind of credibility or whereas I think when you when you kind of are so immersed in reading Marvel comics like there are insane people with powers and costumes everywhere <laughs> like why wouldn't there be another five of them <laughs> okay okay point made point made and once you've introduced that there the Asgardian pantheon of gods exists kind of like why wouldn't the Greek gods exist yeah 
Yeah. Why that- and why wouldn't the Egyptian and why wouldn't the um and and he's he's a really cool fun. He's very different. He's so different to Thor is so Thor. He is. He's so I must he's so like he's got so much stuff to, to like Hercules is a party dude. Yay. That's why he's, he's in he's, Los Angeles. He always got his goblet. Yeah, you know, oh. he's always supping away. He's having a great time. He always wants to prove he's the strongest and the best, but he'll, he'll, he'll wrestle you to the ground and hurt your arm, and then he'll be like, "We're only messing, aren't we? Ah, let's go get drunk." I'll put you in a Hercules headlock and scuffles your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there've been some great kind of writers that done some fun stuff with him over the years. And he's um, okay. uh, he he was a he was originally seen as like the stand-in. For Thor, literally in the in the Avengers, when Thor's not around, like it was like we need someone who's really strong and can help us out. And Hercules was around, and so he steps in. And um, it's not like they pretend he's you know. It's not like the writers are like we need a Thor replacement, and no one in the story brings it doesn't bring it up. They're all like, isn't he a Thor replacement? Like, yeah, no, that's why he's here. Uh, we needed a really strong dude to hit people. Um, yeah, I, whether they'll do... I mean, if, they, if they're going to carry on doing Marvel stuff for 30-odd years, they need all the characters. And Hercules... Um, well, I wouldn't say he has many classic um, stories. He gets some really good modern ones. I certainly think the more you do with Thor... Um, mm. I think... I, I, I genuinely think a Thor movie where he clashes with Hercules Ooh, would, would be cool as anything. That, that would be um, good, because they've tried to do that kind of thing with ancient myths and legends. Like, they're trying to turn them into big movies. I think, what was... Uh, I know they redid Clash of the Titans, and I know there was... Gods of Egypt was another one. And it's like, you know what, should we just get Marvel to do it? And just, you know... Because not only do they exist within their own universe anyway, it would just look way better. Yeah, I, I've got not much interest in, uh, like, I don't know, class, seeing a classic Greek Hercules god story mm. but some story where the the very hedonistic uh greek gods suddenly are unleashed upon earth and thor has got to rein them in and stop them that would be cool um there's some fun you could have but let's get back to the black widow okay let's um, get back for, for some reason the, the champions of los angeles doesn't last very long and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's really portrayed as like an abject failure, and um, a Black Widow is kind of like I'm going to be on my own forever now. This was a terrible idea, and I I just don't want to do it. And so she she bounces around. She has more adventures on her own. Loads of stuff with. I mean, she she has doesn't have like her own solo comic. Mm. Um, she is a very like Nick Fury. She's such a really rich character that can be used again and again in different st- ways and different stories yeah i always found that especially because it's taken us so long to get her own film that she's she always held together other films so well yeah she works as a great secondary character we're gonna get to this in a little bit yeah. but not every character needs to be a main character yeah it, it, it it's it's vital to have rich secondary characters tertiary characters that flesh out your gorgeous world. I'm not saying Black Widow is 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 that um, because there's some cool stuff she gets to do. But we're going to get to Taskmaster later on. Um, so 
the Black Widow uh, does end up becoming the leader of the Avengers during the 1990s. Ooh, hello. Um, especially during Operation Galactic Storm, she is the leader of the Avengers. Um which is before or just after, actually, um, and she leads in this weird, this weird time, this weird period of time where the Avengers don't have many heavy hitters. The Black Knight is like the field leader of the team <laughs> in probably the best, best iteration of the Black Knight, and and like Natasha is like the home base headquarters leader of the team, and. Even at the time, that read as such a sexist thing. It was like, oh, the boy gets to do the fighting, mm. and Black Widow has to be mommy back at home with the admin and the planning <laughs> and taking on the daily chores and tasks of organizing a team of people. But when it comes to the fun stuff, hitting people with a sword and wearing a medieval helmet, Black Knight can do all that. That sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just she, find it odd that, that, that you know, with, with all the like, like Iron Man and Spider Man or all the access to superheroes, no, we're going to go with King Arthur over here with his sword. Uh, it's it's there's a really cool period of time involving multi-dimensional versions of various characters called the. Oh come on, Rob! It's not the Crossing. That's Teen Iron Man. The convert. Ah, oh, this is going to bug me. Anyway, it's a cool period of time. There's some cool art. The Avengers, as we've talked about before, when we talked about the new Avengers, go check out our bonus episode on House of M. They they, they variously go through time periods where all, their, all the big hitters leave. Like, really early on, um, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and Giant Man and Wasp go. <laughs> and it's just Cap, who is not a big star yet, and Hawk, Hawkeye, Quicksilver... And uh, and and Wanda, who are all like B C list villains, that's like a really early thing that happens with the team. And they keep going through these stages where all the heavy hitters and the cool guys are off doing their own comics, and the team has to the writers of the team build the team up to be characters they can all control and have ownership over. Yeah, and they don't have to constantly worry. Uh, Spider Man's actually a clone now. Time to change all the stories we had planned. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Avengers then all get killed Ooh. during all, all the heroes of the Marvel Universe, bar a few. They all get killed during the Onslaught saga. We're going to do it. It's going to be a big bonus episode. It is coming. Another saga. Um, how many sagas are there in Marvel? Is that a stupid question? I mean, how many things are called a saga or how many things are actually a saga? Which one? Which one can actually produce a number for? Things that are called a saga or actually I can't. Sagas. I can't produce a number for either. Okay, <laughs> I'm just like, like oh, um, there's so much to cover. There's so much to cover. But it's that feels like saying to somebody, how many events are there? Uh, yeah, well, but a, a, lot, a, a, a saga is a specific kind of event. It's a long event. How the onslaughts <laughs> is really long and it involves <laughs> every comic in the Marvel universe, Ooh. and it goes on. Yeah, it's it's a lot. That's going to be a mega bonus episode. Um, I'm not sure when we'll do that. Mm, that'll be fun. Um, so all the Avengers die. And Black Widow's like the only one that doesn't. And um, she feels very guilty and responsible. You know, a lot of a lot of um, survivors' guilt. They all come back in the end and stuff. But she's not with the team. The, the, then, then, then in 1999, um, the Black Widow kind of gets this relaunch under the Marvel Knights um, 
program, and we right. talked about Marvel Knights being the thing that saved Marvel. It would it introduced this great writer, artist, and editor called Joe Quesada yes. to the Marvel yes. Universe, who had this cool outreach program where he brought in all his really talented friends and colleagues from the world of independent comics and British comics and gave them um, awesome Marvel characters to redefine and reinvigorate for like the new millennium. Yeah. Not millennium. Yeah, the new millennium. Um, and that happens to uh, the Black Widow in 1999. She gets a Marvel Knight series, which for the very first time introduces us to a modern, sophisticated espionage version of the Black Widow. In the nineties, she's kind of just a superhero. Yeah. In the eighties and seventies, she—I mean, she's just like she's she's got a, a spy backstory, but you know, she's not doing a huge amount of spying, or it's very superhero Marvel version of spying. The Marvel Knights Black Widow stuff—that's when we get introduced to uh, the second Black Widow, Yelena, mm. and we get this stuff that does would not feel out of place. With the born identity, with the perhaps the well, Mission, Mission Impossible was a joke to begin with, but some of these more um, contemporary espionage spy movies, and that is really the, the that's the beginning of the Black Widow that we get to see in the in the MCU. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you, the loyal listeners of Marvel versus Marvel. It, it doesn't it inspire us to keep going, Will? Every time we get a message, every time we get an email, we get a question, we get a query, we get a little bit of love, we get a tweet, we get a retweet, we get a heart, we get a like, it's, we get a subscription. You get a random guy on a Facebook group going, hey, aren't you Will Preston of Marvel versus Marvel fame? <laughs> that, that to me means so much more. <laughs> it's so cool. It, it jives us up. And it, 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 it just, let, I mean, we obviously... We know you're out there. Yeah. We see the downloads. We know the the lovely numbers we're doing. Um, we know what you what you enjoy. We know what you uh, are cooler on. Um, but it's just it spurs us on to actually hear from yeah. you guys. You can always send us some love and attention. You can always spur us on by heading to not heading to. Well, yeah, if you you can send us some short love on Twitter. Um, if you use the uh, the the handle. No one uses that anymore. <laughs> at Marvel versus at Marvel versus to send us a tweet. Follow us, like us, share us, retweet our wonderful things. That really helps us out. If you're struggling for ways to help us out, you can retweet us, you can share us, you can follow us. That's a big, big, big help. Please, please like us. Please rate us on, on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Please give a review. Um, that helps us out hugely with algorithms. And and uh, your podcast app that you're using right now can recommend us to and suggest us to people that that might like us. But only if you guys interact with with us. You know, give us a, a five star review. Leave a leave a leave a little. A little bit of love and a little like and stuff. That's really cool. Or you can drop us a line, um, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. And I believe Will has got a mailbag for us. I have a bag of mail. First of all, Mark Hizzy got in touch to say, I put off listening to the Silver Surfer episode because uh, I really didn't enjoy those movies. Okay, Mark, coming in hot. What's going on? Hizzy's in a tizzy. Let's put it that way. Oh, 
I burned him. I, I wasn't sat Burn on that Burn on you, Mark. Wasn't sat on that crap joke for five minutes, was I? <laughs> <laughs> to me, they were like the absolute worst of the Marvel movies before Iron Man and the MCU. I didn't bother hitting that download button because beep the fantastic floor and beep you guys for doing another episode on those movies. Oh, wait, I hate. are you? What is that? A is that a censorship button you're hitting there, Will? Uh, no, I'm just really good at imitating one. Gotta, Man. Man's got to have a hobby. Believe. Man's got to have a hobby. I believe we're getting some hate here. Don't worry, this is merely the first act of the email. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'd be reading it if it wasn't. It wasn't. We'd be there going, well, this is just abuse yeah, for 500 words. But act two begins. But then four days go by, and then five, and then six, and I know that I need my MVM fix. He needs it. He needs it. He needs it. He needs it. I can't go a week without it. And I now come before you humbled and apologetic. I am sorry. On his knees, folks. Mark is humbled. He didn't say he's on his knees, but, you know, we we could easily imagine that. You know, I don't even know what he looks like, but I'm imagining a man doing it. A man called Mark. Anyway, whether I like the movie or not, getting that kind of deep dive into a classic story like that was really cool. Finding out we owe Gal- sorry, Thanos, Endgame, Thor, Asgard and Darkseid all to Galactus and the Silver Surfer was awesome. Now I've got something to bash Snyder fanboys with when they won't shut up about Darkseid. <laughs> Well, come on, nothing but love, but yeah, sure, go for it. (laughs) Just saying sorry isn't enough, so next payday, I am finally going to do what I now know I need to do. That's right. I'm going to do the right thing and start giving something back. While you turn that one around, Mark Hizzy, I was ready to cuss your name. (laughs) Cuss your name. Give it a good old MVM cussing, but thank you so much, that's really good to hear. We got another one here. Uh, Ariel L dropped us a short line. I didn't do it for the bonus episodes. Okay, sure, they're really awesome and fun and packed with cool history, but I didn't do it for the bonus shows and I didn't do it for the obscure Marvel episodes. Okay, sure, they're really funny and silly and stupid. That's right, they are, yeah. And I love more than I do at any other podcast, but I didn't do it for obscure Marvel. I did it because every week now I'm hearing someone talk about how they're doing the right thing, and every time I hear that, I realise I'm not doing enough. I'm not contributing to the podcast I love, so I'm not doing it for the bonus stuff. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do, and the bonus episodes are just um, uh, a bonus. Who is that? Ariel L. Have I got it right? If I've got it wrong, please let us know. Yeah, yell at Will. Or Ariel L. Ariel, Ariel. That is so cool. That is so awesome to hear. Um, We're just, yeah, we're just, we're seeing the love. We we keep having more and more wonderful um, subscribers on Patreon all the time. That lets us know we're, we're doing the right thing for you. And all we want is you guys do the right thing. Back. Yeah. Two-way street, guys. It's a two-way street. That's what podcasting is. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, I've got one more letter from Simon. Simon says, says, looking forward to getting a deeper dive into the black... Wait, wait, wait. Has he got... T- wait. Have is you mistyped si- is his name's? Is his name Simon Says Says? No, I think his name is Simon Says. Simon oh, Says. Oh, Simon Says Says. Simon I didn't really says, pay attention. Says. I just copy and paste what, they, what their names are into a format. Because I, I was thinking for a second, have you got this? No, Simon says, if we got that wrong, Simon, 
I I guess I, it's like no, it must be Simon. His name is Simon Says. Yeah. I thought that was a game for kids. Well, it's obviously not his. None of the, it's none of Mark Hizzy is probably not Mark Hizzy, is it? None of these people use real names. Well, they're ashamed. No, it, they're it, ashamed of it, themselves. You know, his name is clearly Marcus Hizzleston. Hizzleston. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Simon Says says, Looking forward to getting a deeper dive into The Black Widow. It was the first movie I've seen since the pandemic started. It was wow. really great going back in an air-conditioned cinema to see a Marvel movie after all this time. I can't judge the movie properly because I was just so pleased to be out the house and living my life again. I loved right. it. Yeah, yeah, it's all part of the conditions of reception, as we said back in film studies. I loved exploring more of Natasha's life in Russia, so I hope to hear more about that on the podcast. All to come, baby, all to come. But of course, the best way to get in touch and show us your love is not with an email and not with a tweet and not with a retweet. You can always, always get hold of your boys on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel it's where our best community lives and breathes it's where our ultimate ultimate subscribers and followers and lovers lovers yeah lovers yes it's where they don't just consume our content they contribute they give back they do the right thing with their subscription with their pledges to this podcast it keeps the lights on it lets us pay for equipment for hosting for storage it lets us pay for brand new sounds and jingles and theme songs and put money into some cool projects that we've been working on for a little while that we've got coming up which are all going to benefit everyone that listens and uh, and in exchange for all the the cool cool love that they show us um, on patreon we give back as well don't we will oh we give back what do we give back with will absolute lovely content <laughs> bonus episodes up and down on the patreon of course every single month on the first of that month everyone that subscribes everyone that pledges even the mm. smallest amount of just three pounds which does a long goes a long way and helps an awful lot incredibly you get access to our, our patreon exclusive series obscure marvel where <laughs> I get to uh, educate Will on the most, and I don't think this conveys as much, the most ridiculous characters <laughs> in the history of Marvel Comics. We've had so much fun with that, right? Oh, incredibly. It's, it's all down to getting, getting my reaction, and everyone uh, so far has made me laugh a lot. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's going to be one where you go, what? I think it's always going to be... Because they're just so ludicrous. We started strong with the uh, armless tiger man. <laughs> uh, a man who uh, fights machinery with his teeth uh, and has no arms. Uh, weapon of the Nazis. And uh, we've just been on a, a ride since then. Slide and Pace Pot Pete. Um, a heck of a lot of fun. It's a shame we've already covered him. Otherwise you could definitely do Stilt Man. I think Stiltman yeah. would fit in so well into that. He would, but Stiltman's been all over... Stiltman and the Circus of Crime have been all over this podcast. I know. Too many times, I think. Too many times um, for us to do it. 
And so those episodes drop uh, the first of every month. Everyone get access to Obscure Marvel, and that's a huge amount of fun that we, we love to have, and we love hearing all the great positive feedback, the guys that are laughing along with us and sending us pictures of their favourite Obscure characters, and they, they keep sending us messages saying, show this to Will, do this to Will next time. Um, so that's really, really cool, and that's all our incredible community on, on Patreon. And of course, every month, for those that pledge £10 or more, you get access to uh, not just cool things like early access, and you get to listen to these episodes on a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday before they are released. Um, but also, £10 or more gets you access to our bonus episode level, the full-length bonus episodes, which we drop every month. We've done the House of M completely, completely covered the House of M. We've done the Future Imperfect, the Maestro Hulk, um, one of the most celebrated times in the history of the Hulk. We've done the psychotic 90s Spider-Man um, when his parents came back from the dead. Um, we did the Clone Saga Spider-Man. We've we've done all. all. Um, and there's still so much more to come. And this month we are dropping and releasing towards the end of the month our bonus episode looking at the complete life cycle, the complete life and history of the oldest character in the Marvel Universe, Galactus, Ooh. spinning out of our last episode. How do you feel about uh, taking a trip into the uh, the storied history of Galactus, Will? I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we covered uh, a, li- a, a, a little bit of him. A, a snapshot. A snapshot. Like his first appearance in Marvel, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to learning more behind the big fella who wasn't in the film. Really, we got we got that Galactus trilogy, and we pulled that apart in the last episode, mm. and that is his first and maybe most famous appearance. But we we have to go back, and I've already been putting the hours in on that on this research, uh, three hours to find a particular reference I needed. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, um, which was really hard to find, and then it turned out to be in an issue. Of course, I've got in another room. We go further back in this will. Further back than we've ever gone before. We've never looked at history like this before. Oh, no. Because this history... Oh, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't oh, want to spoil anything. Okay. But this is the furthest back we'll ever go in a Marvel uh, in a Marvel podcast. And it's going to be exclusively on Patreon. That is looking at the creation of Galactus. His birth, his history, his life. Um, who was he? Was he anything before he became Galactus? How powerful is he? What does he do with his days? Where does he live? It's all going to be and like some of the most epic, like cosmic stories are there. The the trial of Reed Richards. We're going to cover that. We're gonna we're gonna cover um, Galactus's role in the Annihilation Wars, which we, of course we touched on a little bit. Um, we we've got uh, his death, his resurrection. Um, we've got the creature. That even Galactus fears. Ooh. Oh, it's a big, juicy episode, and you can only listen to it if you support us on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Before we go any further, Will, I know you are chomping at the bit to get into the uh, the MCU recap of the Black Widow. Before we go any further. That we need to write their names high in the sky. They're the three people that matter most 
in our fandom and in our Versaverse. It is, of course, Zach Thomas, Mikey W, and Peter J. They are the only guys that are really doing the right thing. They're on that big baller tier. They're on that £20 tier. And they are making sure that we stay on the air, we feel the love, and that this episode is produced. They're doing more because other guys out there aren't pulling their weight. We'll never let it be said that Zach T, Mikey W and Peter J don't pull other people's weight in this fandom. Got to get that out there. Well, I think it's time we took a trip through what the MCU Black Widow has been doing on our journey. We're going to take a look at um, three movies, three important movies to to, uh, Natasha and where we are. Of course, Iron Man 2, her first introduction, the Avengers uh, reappearance, and uh, Age of Ultron, which kind of almost the most we, we get to see of her, really. Um, well, maybe it's Avengers. We've got that <laughs> to get through, and we're going to be pulling apart the MCU. Um, MCU Natasha, before we get on to Will's questions spawning out of the Black Widow trailer. Um, and just before we start, because we get a little free-flowing free with our chat about these movies a little reminder perhaps to myself but also to will that we are to give out no spoilers as we go forward yes that's uh, always important because you know me yeah. i'm like uh, i'm like tom holland i will accident- exactly uh, like tom holland same do you know my 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 youngest brother kind of looks like him it's really annoying there we go there we go annoying anyway let's recap so te- let us go back to iron man 2 Shortly after revealing to the world that he is Iron Man, Tony Stark learns that the palladium core in the arc reactor that keeps him alive and powers the armour is slowly poisoning him, and he cannot find a substitute. Growing increasingly reckless and despondent about his impending death, and choosing not to tell anyone about his condition, Stark appoints his personal assistant Pepper Potts as CEO of Stark Industries and hires Stark employee Natalie Rushman to replace her as his personal assistant. After some, that's a that's a big step up, isn't it? Assistant to CEO. Yeah, I mean, he must have a board of directors, and you just got to think because he does because they they bring up the board of directors in the first movie talking about how they're going to vote of no confidence against them and stuff. Oh yes, of course, to, yeah, yeah. Imagine saying to your board of directors, "Hey guys, you, there's going to be a new CEO of the company." Yeah. And and it's 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 my assistant who I'm also banging. Uh everyone's cool with that, aren't they? Like the shareholders aren't going to panic or anything, are they? Like when Steve Jobs <clears throat> was sick and died, Apple stock plummeted. And it is just it is the case when companies are built around, you know, <clears throat> these uh these figureheads, when the figureheads get ill or die, mm. the stock price really takes a hit. It does sound like something Elon Musk would do, wouldn't it? But in a way, he would sort of do it on purpose so he could 
sell off or sell off the stock for low price or whatever whatever he did he, there was there why was would theory. he sell off stock for a low price what, what was the thing he did there was this theory you know when he uh there were several things he did like when he smoked a joint on the, the joe rogan experience or when uh, he, he stock he, price took a hit yeah yeah stock price took a hit and there was another thing where he threw a, a rock at the window of the cyber car and it cracked anytime he's done that there's, there's this theory that's been sort of like calculated saying he does that for, for a specific reason on purpose no, that's people that think Elon Musk is really, really, really smart and a genius. And when he does <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb things, it must be a secret plan by a genius. No. No, 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 no. The, no. I, 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 I spoke to my other half about this who would usually tell me to shut up and stop being stupid about that. No, I kid. Okay, we're, we're, we're good. But I, I mean, like, there is, there is an actual term for it, and I forgot what the term is, but... It, is it Elon Musk as a little nerd bitch? Is that the term? No, 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 no. But it should be part of the vernacular. <laughs> but yeah, there is actually a thing behind that that to be to look out for. But anyway, that does. You're right. That is incredibly reckless, and I'm surprised Stark uh, stock didn't take a hit. Stark, Stark, get yours today. He he is he in that? Is he in that movie? I was about to say as well. Elon Musk is sh- in Iron Man. No, too. not Elon. No, no. Well, yeah, he is, which is awful. Um, not him. I meant the the stock, the yelling stock, American stock guy. He is. He is. Oh, isn't wait, he? He's, he's in one of. He's, he's in, in one, one of these. I think it is this one where he's just basically. The only other thing I've seen him in was Arrested Development. Yes, yeah, he's in loads of that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Bluth, uh, Bluth stock or whatever it was. Or- it upgraded to a. To a don't buy. Don't buy. That was the best they've had in years. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll continue with the recap. After some of Tony's erratic behavior, Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., approaches Stark, revealing that Rushman is actually Agent Natasha Romanoff and that Howard Stark was a S.H.I.E.L.D. founder whom Fury knew personally. During Tony's conflict with Ivan Vanko and Justin Hammer, Rhodey's armour is controlled by Vanko and he is forced to fight Iron Man. Natasha and Stark's bodyguard, Happy Hogan, go after Vanko at Hammer's factory. Vanko escapes, but Romanov returns control of Rhodes' armour to him. Together, Stark and Rhodes defeat Vanko and his drones. What did you think of um, the the first kind of uh, appearance and portrayal of the Black Widow and I'm I'm Iron Man too? It was cool. Um, I loved I it. I loved it. I loved. Yeah. I, all I could think of is that scene in the corridor where she's just fighting That's him and Happy Hogan so still punching cool. the one punching guy. one guy. I just yeah. thought it, it was such a brilliant. This this was the kind of excitement you got like when you first watch Batman Begins and you're getting that kind of high kicking, really nice choreographed sort of thing, and then it's doing it in Marvel and you have this. Oh, just perfectly done fight scene. I, I, I mean, I, I love the 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 way she fought and the way they kind of incorporated this very this like very different way of fighting that I don't think we've seen um, on in kind of mainstream action movies in a, in a long time or perhaps ever. And it was really cool. Um, I know, I know, Johansson has come out recently with a lot of comments about really not liking how she's portrayed in this movie and how she feels it was very kind of objectified. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I know certainly. At the st- I mean, I know she very much is at the start, but it's it's kind of like through this lens of Tony Stark is like it's almost like the movie is the movie objectifying her in that position, or is it that we're seeing Tony Stark objectify her? It's not like everyone else around him is like why yeah well like pepper calls him a pig 
and it ends up with um, Romanov like knocking him out or something, isn't it? Well, there's there's that scene where I think it was in the book in the gym where he's like he's got the tablet out. That's what I'm talking about when they first when and, she's and, first introduced. And, yeah. he, and he's looking at the picture of her in her, in her lingerie, and it's like, wait, this is beyond male gaze. This is a bit. This is incredible. I forgot about dodgy. I forgot about that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bit dodgy. That, that, that is no. But at the same time, yeah. again. It, it, it's not like all. The, it's not like Pepper Potts nudged him and went, "Oh yeah, four. And he's not like he didn't get comeuppance for that kind of um, that negative way of viewing somebody. He was reprimanded by the people in the movie we know are not babies and children. But at the same time, it could be that you know, uh, super cool Tony Stark does it. I guess that probably doesn't send a terribly great message. It's um, he's the he's the he's protagonist. So he's the protagonist. Yeah. He ain't the the. The uh, snappy sidekick who's the comic relief or the protagonist yeah, or the but, antagonist. But, but, but also, Tony Stark is not meant to be... I mean, he is super mm. cool, I guess. Uh, he, he's not exactly meant to have no... He's not Superman. He's not Cap. He's not meant to have no negative quote traits. Yeah. But uh, listen, as ever when it comes to these things, if Scarlett Johansson said that's what she felt and that's what she thinks looking back at it, yeah. I need to shut... My penis having mouth. No, wait. Penis having. That was <laughs> no. an interesting sentence. No, no. I mean, I, 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 to, I, to, yeah. I totally get it. Even when she's fighting, there is a, there is that element of male gaze. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, it, I, I, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it for that. I guess obviously, it's, it's part of it's part of my problem on my continuing quest to try and be a better human. I'm not there yet, and I still like to look at women. We're all getting there. Um, yeah, step by step. But I thought it was. A, I still thought it was a really great. I mean, to me, I didn't think, "Oh, here comes a character that's going to get their own movie one day." Yeah. To me, we're still in the burgeoning start of the MCU, and I was like, "This is so cool." We've got Nick Fury, we've got Shield, we've got Black Widow, and we've got War Machine in this one Iron Man movie. This, I was so. This was such a big, 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 awesome, cool movie to me, and and. Um, the Black Widow is a huge part of that because it expands what Shield is and makes you, as a as a as a comic book fan, really excited for more stories they're going to tell. With that in mind, this feels like the starter to the main course of the Avengers. It's getting you on board with several characters coming together. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, not not within the shared you you know not within the one comic universe, but like within the shared universe between comics. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Shall I continue the recap? Yeah, take us to the Avengers. The Avengers. So a few years pass. As Loki and an invading army called the Chitauri seek to conquer Earth, Nick Fury sets up the Avengers Initiative, a super team featuring Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, Thor, and Agent Natasha Romanoff, codenamed the Black Widow. Natasha is recalled from an active mission and sent to recruit Bruce Banner from his remote hideaway in order to recruit him to this initiative. How, how, did, how did you feel about the way they introduced um, Black Widow in the Avengers movie? What, where she's tied to a chair? Yeah. Like, I mean, similar thing, isn't it? It is, it is damsel awesome. in distress. But, but, I mean, no, no, it wasn't. It was an inversion of that. Okay, yeah. At first you think, oh, it's damsel in distress, but you know she's got total control of the situation. And what was, what was said on the phone again with the Russian guy? Um, it was something like she said something like she's going to handle this, or I'll only be five minutes to mop this up, or something. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're they're confused. Um, and then immediately, I, 
I thought it was really cool that fight scene because she fights all with the chair. I I, yeah. I, I must admit I was a little kind of let down because I was expecting them to actually use the character and what she can do in this movie mm. in the way a spy would be used. We've yes, we've mentioned this on the episode. I, I thought she was going to fight sneaky. She was going to steal the data they needed or get the passcode key they needed, impersonate somebody, infiltrate something. And it kind of, sadly, uh, whilst the character stuff I felt was really strong from her and Hawkeye and things, it just kind of boiled down to quite a regular um, sci-fi action plot. Get a thing and put put the, the key in the lock, twist it, close the wormhole and it she didn't really like she kind of was a lot of standing around and shooting bad guys which is not really where she excels yeah i i felt exactly the same i, I mean all i can think of is uh okay have you ever i'll take it you've never played any of the command and conquer games no no okay obviously it's a war game but like in the red alert series you get your, obviously your units like your tanks and your soldiers but you also have a spy unit and they can't fight but you use them to sneak into their enemy base absolutely and yeah. it's like yeah i get that logic so i'm thinking no i would not be sending them first line battle i would be sending them around the side and that is the best thing about the mm. the post 1999 portrayal of of the black widow um but admittedly, I guess by the time we get to, uh, I don't know, 2010, it's only, it's you know, kind of only, well, when was Hawkeye movie? Not Hawkeye movie. Is the Avengers movie 2012? The Avengers movie was 2012. I think it is, yeah. There is a Hawkeye TV show coming out, isn't there? Yeah, we it, discussed it. We have. When we, did our, when we did our preview of what's coming up. We did, yes. It's, it's Sorry, it's just that so many things are happening. It's, it's, it's... Starring Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Pizza Dog. Very excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Okay, right, I'll, I'll carry on. While a mind-controlled Hawkeye steals an element needed to stabilise the Tesseract's power, Loki uses his magic to cause a public distraction. While threatening a large crowd of innocent people, Loki is opposed by Captain America, Iron Man and Black Widow, who quickly defeat Loki and take him captive. However... While prisoner on board the helicarrier, Loki manipulates the heroes to turn on each other and uses the ensuing chaos to escape. During the kerfuffle, Black Widow manages to defeat Hawkeye and break Loki's mind control. I, I always thought the um, the the kind of Hannibal Lecter moment in that movie with Black <laughs> Widow on the outside of the cell that was really cool because he he was getting to absolutely everyone, mm. and at the last minute she like does that little smile and it's like. No, you can't. You can't mess with me. Yeah, um, I'm a ma- master was, manipulator myself. It was like the first moment in this, as we've saw in the, in the Loki series. It was the first moment in this kind of very long arc of Loki is really not very good, but thinks he is. <laughs> like he he keeps thinking he's really. Smart and clever and devious, and he's brilliant yep. at stuff, and he really isn't. He's like okay, and he overestimates himself, and that's his downfall constantly. Just like Tom Hiddleston, as we said. <laughs> no, that was just to do with charm. Oh yes, there we go. When suiting, he up- also can't can't sing and he can't dance and he can't do impressions. But I that's know. different. I saw matter. his impressions on the was it Graham Norton? He was on Graham Norton or something, and it was yeah. just it was like you were there going. That's a five out of ten. I mean, it wasn't awful. It was just like, why are you even bothering bringing this to the table? 
Because he's a public schoolboy who's never been told he isn't as special as everyone thinks he is. God, he's a right. Like, no one's heard his impression and said to him, nah, mate, that's a bit rubbish. This is, Don't do that he is, on national television. He is what you think everyone south of Watford is. You think, <laughs> you think all southerners are that. Yeah. Not just south of Watford, mate. South of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. Anyway, I'll continue. When suiting up for battle, we learn that there is a long-standing partnership between Natasha and Hawkeye. Natasha confesses to feeling a great deal of guilt from her past life before joining S.H.I.E.L.D., and this guilt is her motivation for joining the Avengers. My my favourite line in that movie, and you tend to get this with the Joss Whedon uh, movies, he's always got one that really sticks out as a really cool oh. kind of catchphrase that fandom lock onto, and I've got red on my ledger was the one that everyone was saying after this movie came out. I, got, I don't and, remember that uh, bit. I've got red on my ledger. It's right from this from this conversation. I've got red in my ledger. Um. You know, I'm in debt. I'm in debt. I owe. Oh right, right! I've got right. red on my ledger, and of course, red also has this this issue of being red for blood as well. But I've got red on my ledger was the big the big kind of one that a lot of the kind of core nerd fans locked onto. I thought it was really cool. The, the one I thought it got locked on was puny god. That was kind of just a yeah. I don't think. I mean, that was very very. That's not like a clever Whedon line. That's like a general. I know. My, my, you know, my, fun line. I, th- I think my, one of my favorites was still. You know, we need a plan of attack. I have a plan. Attack. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Anyway, I'll continue. During the Battle of New York, the Black Widow works with Dr. Selvig to shut the wormhole and cut off the Earth from the alien army. Dr. Selvig reveals that only Loki's scepter can stop the invasion and shut the portal. As Iron Man intercepts a nuclear missile and flies it through the wormhole to destroy the Chitauri mothership, the Black Widow uses Loki's scepter to shut down the wormhole and stop the invasion. That that was the bit when I thought, oh, cool! Now we're going to see the Black Widow have to do some spy stuff mm-hmm. to get the scepter, uh, uh, and and no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was fairly straightforward. Yeah, they just had someone grab it and and throw it to her. Oh, okay, cool, fair, yeah, underutilized. Which brings us on to Age of Ultron. After the success of tracking down the last Hydra base, the Avengers throw a party to celebrate. They're joined by other allies, including Sam Wilson, Maria Hill and Jim Rhodes. Steve's World War II buddies drink as Guardian liquor with Thor, and Natasha starts flirting with Bruce Banner. Now. Now. Like, how healthy is that? As a, How self-destructive do you have to be? To say, oh, I'm going to start something up with the, with the Hulk, with the guy that's always on the run and can't literally can't control himself and causes the most toxic destruction in his wake on a regular basis. Well, in a way, they, they're both they're both similar in that regards because they both are constantly running and constantly hiding, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I get that impression from her at this stage. Okay, it's, that, that, that's like part of her job, mm. and then she finishes the job. And when she's not on the job, okay. she doesn't have to run and hide and. Well, unless she's like t- being a turncoat or something like that with with the KGB. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I never bought this thing that they're similar. I okay, I, I was trying to. Uh, no, I never bought that either. I was just. Uh, I, I literally pulled it out of thin air. I was trying to <laughs> okay, be clever cool. and, in, in, and and I failed. I failed miserably. <laughs> After Ultron joins forces with Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, 
the Avengers are all subjected to terrifying and realistic nightmare visions, dredging up their worst fears. Natasha remembers her training in the Red Room and the way in which she was weaponized and turned into an assassin. I really love that little nightmare scene when it shows that because it's one of those things that she's been in a few films now and we haven't really delved into it. And instead of like yeah. it, it being hinted at or, or said in a dialogue or anything, we're hit in the face with this horrible, the sort of like horrible ballet scene and, you know, instruct, instruct scene. And although it's not really showing them, us much about how horrible the Red Room was, all we have is this almost like a metaphor into what kind of environment must have been. And her yeah. reaction tells us to it, tells us everything you need to know. Show don't tell, baby. Yes, it's very, very, very good. That very good. There's a public backlash following the fight in Johannesburg and Maria Hill advises the Avengers to lay low for a while. The team takes refuge at Clint Barton's homestead where they meet his light, sorry, his wife Laura and children Cooper and Leela. While the rest of the Avengers are surprised by Hawkeye's home life, his children greet her warmly as Auntie Natasha. Whilst things seem bleak for the Avengers, the relationship between Natasha and Bruce is growing. They plan to run away and start a new life together once Ultron is defeated. Bit quick, that. Not going to lie. Bit quick. It is a bit quick. Bit quick. But he is Lesbian play- couple quick. He is, he is played by Mark Ruffalo. So, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit nice. He's, okay. And he's a doctor. Admittedly, he's probably been... Wrong stru- kind of doctor. I mean, he's been struck off a few things, you know, after turning into the Hulk, probably. <laughs> I don't think they can take your doctorate away from you just because you turn yourself into... Oh, no, yeah, they probably can, yeah. I was about to say, at some point, they probably went, you know what, we don't want him practising medicine or whatever he does. Sorry, wrong kind of doctor you did say. What doctor is he again? Well, you know, physics or bio... bio I mean, I don't, I don't quite know, but it would be radiation theme, Radi- wouldn't it? So whatever yeah. radiation... What does radiation come into physics? Yeah, we, we don't want him working near yeah. the particle accelerator because he might get a bit angry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In order to stop Ultron's plans to regenerate an indestructible body for himself, Black Widow and Hawkeye manage to steal the regeneration cradle away from him. But at the last moment, Ultron and his drones kidnap Natasha. Ultron returns to Sokovia, where he builds a new body out of vibranium and imprisons Black Widow in a cell. I thought I thought this bit sucked. Like I don't mm. get why she has to be kidnapped and be there. I don't get why it's not like they uh, they need the, another reason to be there. The only yeah, and the only woman on the team needs yeah. her new boyfriend to come and save her. I just didn't get it. Quickly, we need to do the gender roles. Yeah, it was so roles. weird. Yeah, I, I mean, what what? Okay, basically, he steals her. What was the? Uh, what? Why did he steal her? So kidnap her. That's what you do with people, isn't it? You kidnap people. You steal fruit. You steal fruit. Speaking of objectifying, there we go. Um, oh god! Wow, I did it subconsciously. That was bad. I, 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 I don't think I know what's. I don't think I have a reason. The, the Avengers had beaten. He'd beaten him. Basically, he'd gotten the thing. He, he has vibra- I, I know. I have no clue why. There was why literally no reason for it. He could just gone. Well, I'm going to end the world now with by crashing the. City, like he he doesn't need her for anything. No, I don't think. 
there's no there's no bargaining chip. There's no information she holds. You know what? She leads the Avengers to to him. Yeah. She she hacks into an old. She she sets out some kind of homing beacon. Yeah. So that's the reason she needs to be there, I guess. But because that's how they find him. Okay, for the narrative purposes, but yeah, in terms of motivation from Ultron. Yeah. Maybe maybe he just thought, you know what? I'm going to take one of them. Why not? I haven't done it yet. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. The Avengers. Sorry, there we go. Where am I? Ah, there we go. The Avengers attack Ultron's forces in Sokovia, and while Bruce Banner rescues Natasha, the Avengers evacuate civilians from the city and fight Ultron's army of robots. Black Widow and the Hulk join the battle, and the team wipe out most of Ultron's drones and severely damage Ultron's primary body. In retaliation, Ultron hijacks the Avengers' Quinjet and opens fire on the bystanders. Clint rushes to rescue a boy as the bullets come raining down, but before Pietro moves at super speed to put himself between them, sacrificing him to shield uh, Hawkeye and the child. In a rage, Hulk leaps onto the jet and tosses Ultron to the ground, where a grieving Wanda finds and destroys him. Seeking some peace after saving the world, the Hulk gets Natasha to safety and then steals the Quinjet and disables its tracking device, vanishing from contact. Uh, like it just Black Widow and the Hulk feels like in the later seasons of Friends when they made <laughs> Joey and Rachel get together mm. because they were the only ones left. It's like they it's... looked at the cast and they said the only two that don't have their own movies, so we can't we can't have any of the others get together because they've all got their own movies and their own writers. Yeah. So it has to be these two who don't have a movie. I was about to say, it seems like the later seasons of any sitcom ever. Every sitcom does that. Every sitcom does it. Whilst I, I greatly and richly enjoyed the uh, relationship, the friendship between uh, Cap and, and, and Natasha... And I don't think I'd want that to change. If they had done that, I would not have much of a problem with it. There is clear affection, um, chemistry. There is a a a resp- like a like a visible like kind of respect and liked uh, between those two characters that we've seen in the Winter Soldier and stuff. So if they got those two together in this, I would have thought, oh, it's a shame because I like them as friends. But it makes sense mm. if they'd done. Maybe if they'd even done Natasha and Tony, there's like chemistry going back to the first movie. So I would have that Natasha and Hawkeye, like I would have accept, I would have, I would have got all of them. You know, it, I but, never saw it as a problem at the time, but the more I think about it, it's like, huh. I mean, it's, it, it's, it doesn't ruin the film for me. No, it was just it, every time it happened in the movie, I just it took me out of the movie because I thought. What is this? this? This just doesn't strike me right. To be fair, I've known a lot of people who have a weird choice in partners. So, you know, maybe she saw something in the Hulk, or indeed Dr. Banner, that she was like... So, self-destructive. Yeah, so, do you know what? That would add some nice character complexity. Some people are self-destructive when it comes to choosing partners. Yeah. You know, they like the excitement. They like a bad boy, even though the bad boy is actually a good boy inside <laughs> the bad boy. Oh, that's that's the ones they love the most, mate. Yeah. Or fooling themselves into thinking that inside the bad boy is a good boy. Yeah. Let's I- let's stop this before we end up commenting a bit more. And and it, no one hey. wants to hear t- two dudes talking about this. 
I was about to say bad people on both bad boys and bad girls, both both sides of it. I'll, I'll be interested in talking about this more when we do Infinity War and uh, other things of the Hulk in. Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, because we'll have to keep this keep this relationship in mind as well. Anyway, last bit of the recap. The Avengers establish a new Avengers facility in upstate New York, run by Fury, Cho, Maria Hill, and Eric Selvig. Natasha assumes Banner is dead because the Quinjet cannot be tracked and silently mourns for him. But Fury assures her that he is likely still alive. With Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, and Iron Man all no longer active, Captain America and the Black Widow assemble a new Avengers team consisting of Scarlet Witch... Falcon, War Machine, and Vision. I like that it's like Cap and Natasha's team. Yeah, yeah. That they're like both in charge of it, and they're they 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 Cap. They both project this thing of being complete equals. Yes, yes. Um, and being like they have this great way of bantering with each other, where it feels like very it feels very much like workplace banter. Um, great, just a dynamic partnership. Johansson and Evans, dynamic partnership. Yes. more stuff from them, please. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, overall, how do we feel about um, just up to this point? You know, Age of Ultron. How do you feel about Black Widow in the MCU? I think uh, she. I don't want to use cliches, but she really feels like the glue that holds a lot of this together. Oh, really? A lot of stuff she does is quite pivotal. I find in, in the films we cut, we covered. Yeah, there are some cho- there are some choices she makes quite pitiful. She's she's very very good member of the team, very valuable, very skillful. But yeah, there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, she 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 is responsible for some, for the story going in the way it did. I think it's obvious she's not gonna. I mean, simply just because of um, the very dynamic and exciting characters that uh, that make up mm. the rest of the team, she's kind of never gonna have the most screen time and shine the most mm. in these ensemble movies. Um, and it's why I think she she comes across a lot better in Iron Man Two yeah. and Winter Soldier and and stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, but but I'm not I'm not sure how excited I was to see a Black Widow movie. I have to admit, uh, I saw the trailer and went, ah, you know, okay, okay. First feeling is by default is ah, a Marvel film. I will enjoy that. But then I was like, I'm kind of, I don't know. I I I I feel like I, I don't know why where there's not much of a story to be told that I don't know about. I couldn't imagine much of a story being told because we just seen. I, th- I thought it'd be like more of the same of what we've already seen, per se. I I think what seemed to get, and I might be misreading this. It might just have been what I was seeing on Twitter, but what seemed to get and the blogs that were written, what seemed to get most people excited about the movie was everything except N- Natasha. Yeah. It was like, oh, loads of stuff written about the Red Guardian. That was interesting. Yeah. Taskmaster. People were really interested in Taskmaster. And uh, yeah, 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 I can't, I can never pronounce the name. Yelena. Yelena. Like, I always get the first name and then the second Black Widow and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That was um, uh, Florence Pugh's character. That seemed to be what was getting people very excited. Um, I suppose but- that, that that really is the case then, because, uh, you know, straight to character, because she is sort of like. Again, she's she's almost like the secondary character in her own film. In her own movie. Because that's, she, the, that's where she shines best, as a secondary character. 
Okay, so the big moment has come. I have a, well, I say a bag of questions. And before I go any further, I do want to assure people that this is based on seeing the trailer. We won't be doing any spoilers, even though I'm really tempted. Obviously, I'm, I'm not that tempted. But yeah, t- you want you want the an- you want to get the you want question you want to get the answers to the uh, to the movie stuff. But, I want to get um, yeah, but I'm going to wait like another yeah. twenty years. But that's okay because Kevin Feige has a thirty year Marvel plan, so I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. <laughs> as long as people keep supporting us on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel baby we need a 30 year plan anyway i'll go through my questions rob you're going to answer them as well as you can i feel like i'm a quiz as master well now. as i can <laughs> no, i thought that was weird cool okay you're yeah. going to answer again goes, uh, well, the timer starts now anyway okay so first question what can you tell us about the red room and the black widow program in the comic books yeah, it's an interesting one because it seems like really integral to her character, um, but but kind of dis- despite her being introduced in 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 1964, it wasn't until that 1999 Black Widow Marvel Knights story we talked about that the Red Room is introduced and established mm. as part of her backstory. It wasn't there 60s, 70s, 80s, and the whole 90s, yeah. not part of her backstory. Mm-hmm. It's this. It's part of this very sophisticated modern espionage way of writing the character that that came about in uh what's his name devlin grayson's um uh marvel knights series so originally she has this um backstory of of kind of being there's this whole thing with that guy ivan petrovich where she was an orphan or something Mm. and then she's a ballerina um and she is married to a um a russian cosmonaut uh, no not a cosmonaut a fighter pilot hero like the, the bravest best fighter pilot in all of all of uh, mother russia and they have this kind of almost this power couple celebrated kind of um by by the by the communist party couple in in russia and then he dies and she ends up um during during the kgb we get this kind of revised origin in 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 the nineteen ninety nine series that establishes her from early childhood now being raised by the the, the Black Widow. Um, it's called the Black Widow Ops Program, oh, rather right, yeah. than that Ivan Petrovich guy. Um, he took her to Department X um, along with other uh, female orphans, and they were uh, then brainwashed and and trained in combat and espionage um in the red room facility the red room facility is a part of department x like a subdivision it's where they they do all of this sort of stuff and she is also enhanced oh we we started to get uh elements of that as the decades progressed and as her origin was still all tied to the kgb we talk a lot about the sliding time scale, but the KGB and the Cold War are, are fixed points in time. Yeah. So they didn't seem to be getting updated. So we find in 1999 that she's biotechnologically enhanced, um, which explains her <laughs> youthful her youthful lifespan, and ah. they kind of explain that all of the uh, all of the the young women. Uh, in the in the Red Room program, the Black Widow Ops program, 
are, are given th- this this youth and and kind of beauty that lasts for decades, um, and uh, we don't. Uh, don't we only that that bit's not. I mean, there is a retcon. There is a retcon in that during part of uh, this training period, the Winter Soldier and and Natasha meet. Um, for the first time, but that of course is a retcon. That doesn't happen in 1999. It happens way down the line when we when we get the the Winter Soldier character being introduced. The um, the the, the different the, they're all called Black Widows, mm. and they're deployed in in different ways with different sets of false memories to ensure their loyalty. And uh, Natasha learns kind of during this this process of finding out about the the Red Room that a lot of the memories she has of her life are false. A bit like Wolverine, yeah, um, and what had been done with that character in the in the late eighties and nineties. So she'd never been a ballerina. Um, that was just part of her cover, that was um, the kind of instilled in her by this 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 Cold War um, program. Um, and this, we again they, later on they kind of retroactively established that actually the, the the Red Room and the Black Widow Ops program is actually an offshoot of the I mean Department X, which was based around the Winter Soldier. They had such success with his brainwashing, memory implants, memory wipes, combat and assassin training that they spun it off to train um, all these. All these black widows during during the Cold War, and these kind of giving them these false identities and false memories, deploying them on certain missions, bringing them back, wiping their minds again, um, and they also got the idea for this extended youth from the fact that they could keep putting Bucky back into cryogenic mm. stasis. Well, they they found a different way of actually. Um, Getting the women to stay healthy and 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 kind of young and resilient, well, young looking, I suppose, for many many decades. Okay, okay. Does that answer your questions? I mean, that that that, that pretty much does. I mean, I when I, when I saw the whole Black Widow program thing, you always think, ah, that's just the KGB in it. That's just standard KGB because the KGB standard are evil. KGB. Yeah, KGB are bloody evil. Yeah, that answers it for me. Cheers. Okay, so half of this uh, movie. It shows this uh, is about the new character, uh, Yelena Belova. What is she like in the comic books? It's very. I mean, just 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 little little note about it. It's very it's very much like a half and half movie, isn't it? it yeah. It's not like it's not like Natasha and her sidekick. Um, it's a real kind of cool partnership. Um, Belova is the basically the, um, although although everyone in the black widow program is called the black widow she is sort of in marvel terms she's the second black widow that's right so, so new black widow 2 yeah. yeah and she has she's on like the the cover of this famous black widow issue wearing like a variation of the black widow skin tight black suit with the bracelets but she's got this this like very eye-catching blonde hair which stands in such a stark contrast to what we're used to seeing from from natasha yeah um she she's created by um uh devin grayson and jg jones who, who who create this 1999 marvel knights miniseries about black widow and that's where we are introduced to um yelena 
um, who is a post-Soviet Russian spy. Ah, uh, okay. The the is it the 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 G the G U R the ones that replace the KGB or the, Drew, the second or third G-R-U. things that replace the KGB. Yeah, I think it was yeah, GRU. something like that. Yeah, yeah. I only know this from Metal Gear Solid. She is, of course, it's your <laughs> it's your point of reference. Mm. Simpsons Metal Gear Solid. So she is not. Um, she has not been brainwashed. Mm. Um, her her training is different. She's like this amoral. She was trained in the Red Room. She's trained by the same spy masters who trained uh, Natasha. Mm. Um, but she is not like brainwashed like Natasha and the other girls were. But she is introduced as being very amoral. Yeah. But 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 kind of believing in the cause to a certain extent. Um, so her like her handler. Her trainer is murdered, and that kind of activates her then as the new Black Widow, and she's deployed to investigate his murder, find the killer, all of that sort of stuff. And we see along the way that actually all of that, the murder and the investigation, were were basically contrived by the GRU to um, to see if uh, Belova is worthy of being the new Black Widow. And worthy of going out there and being their top top spy, and she ends up through a, a, a series of little things. She has the opportunity to, and gleefully accepts missions that bring her into direct conflict with Natasha. You know, Ooh. it's this kind of one-upmanship. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no, you know, relationship between them. No backstory between them, other than um, I'm your successor. Yeah. Um it's like it's almost they, like sparring with the with the champ. Yeah. yeah. And whenever they do meet and fight, there's like no there's like no decisive like winner. Um Natasha keeps referring to uh, Yelena as little one and uh Rushkaya, uh, Russian. Mm. Um and she keeps she tries to encourage her to be like to I guess not necessarily break free from her conditioning because Yelena's not Yelena's not conditioned. It's her job that she kind uh, of chooses gleefully. Okay. But she's like, um, stop devoting yourself to a an a, an outdated thing that doesn't care about you. Russia, Mother Russia, doesn't exist and doesn't care about you. Never cares about you. And Natasha actually in this miniseries goes really far. Um, she subjects Yelena to a very cruel manipulation to try and shatter her illusions about being the Black Widow and what that title means and being chosen for this mission and this role. Um, and to kind of teach her what espionage is really about, um, she um, they surgically swap Yelena's face with Natasha's. Ooh. They they kidnap her and they do a proper face off switch, yeah. um, and Yelena is like it 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 almost breaks her the the trauma of it. She's like wandering around New York in shock after this. She nearly you know loses her mind, um, and after it's all over, it's kind of like I, Natasha's like I did this so you would see that 
spies are not heroes, mm. but tools that get used to do nasty business. Mm. This is being said to Yelena. It's also being said directly to the reader. That that dialogue is... This is now the, what the Black Widow is. She is not... Like, spies are not heroes. They are tools. We are used for nasty business. From this point on, it changes who Natasha is and what the Black Widow is to this thing of... She, she's a obviously she has a moral compass and she's a hero and she has heroic kind of you know leanings but the, the whole cool factor that now gets established around the black widow is that shield user to do their dirty business and that that's always should have been the case if you're writing kind of more sophisticated stories um but elena feels very 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 betrayed by all of this and she kind of um she if she she talks about it being a a rape of her identity yeah. and, a, and a real violation and she leaves she leaves the spy business behind it's like it's like she saw what it actually took and what it actually meant to be a black widow mm. and she 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 got out of there straight away she was like that's awful i don't want to do that um, and she she goes off. She becomes a a, a lingerie model. She oh. retires to Cuba. She owns a lingerie empire that turns over like millions of dollars a month. And uh, she owns some softcore porn channels in Moscow. And um, <laughs> she has homes all over the world. And um, and she also has this thing where she um, she keeps female sex workers safe. And distributes medicine to anyone affected and impacted by AIDS. She right. funnels her money through these kind of good deeds and things. And then, like, the blonde Black Widow um, vanishes. Yelena vanishes, really. And we don't really hear from her. She's retired. That's it. And then during um, Brian Michael Bendis's run on New Avengers that we talked about during mm. our House of M episode... Um, it turns out that she is lured back to the spy game by what what would what turns out to be a rogue faction within Shield, right? Okay. And no one kind of knows it's a rogue faction within Shield, but the Avengers end up in the Savage Land, which is an area in um, the Arctic Circle that is under like an environmental biodome thing mm. uh, of temperature and climate, and dinosaurs still exist there. Um, there's this area in, in in the Marvel in the Arctic Circle where if you fly there, like no technology works, everything's a mess. But also there are these prehistoric. It's like a prehistoric land. Um, it's a well-established kind of cool place to have Marvel heroes visit from time to time. The Avengers have tracked something down there, and when they get there, they find uh, Yelena is is leading what they can only assume is a rogue Shield battalion because. This this battalion is mining vibranium from the Savage Land, which is a no no, and using the native cave people as slaves to do so, Oof. which is you know horrific. Yeah, um, they get into a big um, uh, confrontation, and during the battle, the the X Men villain Sauron, the um, the the pterodactyl dude, the weird pterodactyl, he um, ends up burning Yelena's 
body severely. Oh no! You know, horrible. You know, scarring and burns. Yeah. 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 And um, and when she is in at the end of the adventure or whatever, we see her wrapped in bandages, Uh, respirator uh, unit in the ICU, and some shadowy figure offers to basically take her pain away and let her take revenge for what happened <laughs> uh kill spider woman who she has a real problem with yeah and and kill the avengers um and make her powerful enough to take on the avengers and then the next time we see yelena bolova she has been genetically altered by hydra and aim and she has been turned into the new super adaptoid. <laughs> the super adaptoid is like this, this like uh, robot from the sixties. He's like a he's like a living android, synthetic android oh. kind of creature that has the ability to replicate the abilities of all the Avengers that are around him, adapt to it. I, I, I've been watching. Uh, I watched all of Modoc on Disney Plus, and I think adaptoids in that. Very probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a Justice League character that's similar called Amazo, um, <laughs> or Amazo, and that's a robot that can do the same same thing basically. Yeah. But this is like a new. Those guys all would look like robots. This is like a new, almost like nanotech genetic kind of robot. Yeah, we go or robot body or whatever. And so she she can like. Um, she can replicate Iron Man's armor, Captain America's strength, skill, speed, Spider Man's powers, Luke Cage's powers, Spider Woman's powers, all of these powers at the same time um, to battle them all one on one. They do the old classic trick of um, just just introduce more and more powerful heroes until she overloads and you know <laughs> burns her burns her power source out basically that, that reminds me of the zap brannigan technique of uh was it he fought he fought and defeated the mighty killbots and he goes well well the, the trick is the killbot has a preset limit so i sent wave after wave of my men after them <laughs> until until they all reach that limit it's very similar yeah. yeah but every i think every single time there is a there is a uh, a villain whose power is to uh, is to replicate other powers I, this is the trope: is that the heroes go just keep sending the most powerful people after it until it, it blows them up, and it always works. Um, and she she's kind of captured and everything, um, but but before she can give them any uh, any secrets, any scoop, any info, um, Hydra essentially like detonate a small bomb in her brain, um, which is pretty gross and horrible. And she does come back with varying degrees of importance after that. Um, and then in the comic books, the original Black Widow does die. Mm. Natasha Romanoff in the comic books dies uh, at the hands of um, Captain America, but oh. not Captain America, Captain Hydra. Oh, and and then, and then y- y- Yelena kind of reassumes the Black Widow identity and 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 to to honor natasha and goes around to kind of like be her real replacement her real like her real successor for the first time and to try and take out any hydra people that are left over it's not clear i don't know if it i it's not clear to me if that is the real yelena or if it is a clone because we start to get clones of natasha and clones of yelena and it's a little confusing a little yeah 
that's generally the last sort of thing that she was doing was that and and it was involving the winter soldier and hawkeye as well okay okay next question so in the trailers for this movie we get to see played by david harbour a russian super soldier what can you tell us about the red guardian Ah, introduced in uh, in the Avengers in, in the in the end nineteen sixty seven um, by by Roy Thomas, who is the Stanley successor and the the wonderful John uh, Bashema artist uh, uh, Alexei Alanovich. That's a great Marvel trick at the time. Mm-hmm. How do we do a Russian name? We take the name Alan and we add Ovich. Um, <laughs> Alexei Alanovich uh, Shostakov. Um uh he's 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 he is the husband Ooh. of Natasha the Black Widow. Oh, okay, they switched that about. Um yeah. Yeah. So I um, I still think this holds up even with the retcons. Okay. Originally this is Natasha's test pilot husband, her famous, brave test pilot, beloved by the Communist Party husband. Mm. And she believes he has died. Mm. Uh, and so she, she kind of joins the KGB and becomes the Black Widow. But he'd actually been recruited. He was one of the Soviet Union's you know, most acclaimed heroes of the time, you know, and pilots and everything. Um, fought during a Second World War, and he was... Chosen for this, this this new program, which was we need, um, we need a a new we need an answer to Captain America, basically. Yeah. Especially as the Cold War flares up in the in the fifties, um, and the 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 Khrushchev the um the premier looks to their as 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 the Soviet Union did an awful lot. They had they had the they had these stars. They had people they wanted to make to kind of like win the culture war as well as the Cold War. Ah uh, um, yes, of course, yeah. So they had the incredible ballerina that which which was Natasha, but but probably wasn't. Um and and her and her power couple husband uh, Alexei, who was this this fighter pilot, and had been it flown so many great missions and and done so well under such incredible um, incredible stress that the KGB uh, well they were picking between Alexei and this dude called Yuri Gagarin, um, <laughs> and in the end they pick Alexei and Yuri Gagarin has to take second place. Um, the KGB fake Alexei's death. Which mm. causes the grief and, and and causes Black Widow to become a widow for the first yeah. time, um, and they train him in secret, and um, he he just becomes this highly highly skilled athlete, combat expert. Um, he doesn't have a super soldier serum. They give him a a a throwing disc which he carries on his belt, which magnetically flies back to him. Mm. Um, and uh, it has you know the hammer and sickle on it and stuff, and the costume has this, this red star on the chest. Mm. Um, and uh, pardon me. And 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 during this kind of, despite both sides thinking the other is dead, um, Black Widow when she joins the Avengers or starts working with the Avengers, 
the Red Guardian comes into conflict and the battles the the Avengers um, and the, the Chinese Communist Party are involved with a secret weapon and and uh, all this all this sort of stuff and she notices something about the, the you know Black Widow notices something very familiar about the Red Guardian and he uh, takes his mask off and is like it is me um, <laughs> and uh, then it all goes very wrong and he is uh, immediately uh, shot. <laughs> By by the the communist colonel, he's trying to do something with, and um, he, he saves the lives of his of the Black Widow because he still loves her, and he saves the life of Captain America. He's then buried under molten lava. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God! You, you don't come back from that one. No, you um, don't. You don't. Oh, of course. I mean, he 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 probably does at some point. Probably probably does in Marvel, but it's like yeah, molten lava is pretty un- unbackable. The, the 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 KGB and, and and the post-Soviet era they they passed the Red Guardian name and costume and like identity on to lots of different heroes over the years. I think there've yeah. been six or seven of them. Um, and then in in um, but in 1991 they they um, they introduced they there was an, a, a, a name or the Submariner Annual <laughs> that was set during the end of the end of the war 1945 Potsdam Conference. And they introduced like a precursor. That was Alexei was the first Red Guardian, but according to this story, this new story, nineteen ninety one, he was actually the second. There was another Red Guardian previously called uh, Alexei Lebedov, who's the the Golden Age Red Guardian, as it were. Mm-hmm. Although technically, no, it must be the silver. Oh no, in the forties, that would be the Golden Age. Yeah, um, and and he battles Captain America. Only it can't be Captain America during the Potsdam conference because we know that um, Steve Rogers goes in the ice before then. Right, okay. So he's actually battling uh, one of his replacements, uh, William Naslund, who we've talked about in one of our bonus episodes about all the different Captain Americas. It's a guy who was called the Patriot, who didn't have the super soldier serum either. Uh, just like just like the 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 Red Guardian doesn't, he was just chosen to put on a costume and replace Captain America because telling the world Captain America had died would send morale into the toilet. So they have this battle during which the Red Guardian is like, "You're not as uh, quick as you used to be, or as strong. Uh, I think you're slowing down, old man." And it's actually because it's a different dude. <laughs> so minor, minor, minor spoiler. Okay. Very brief. Skip ahead by how many seconds? You know, 15, 30 seconds to get out of this. There's a really cool moment in the movie where the Red Guardian talks about battling Captain America. Yes. And meeting him. And the other characters go, no, Steve Rogers was in the ice when that happened. And there's a little ref. That's what that's, there's a little, there little we, reference to this. There we go. How cool is that? That's how cool is cool. that? Spoiler over. That's the that's that's all the Red Guardians that we we know in existence. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, there's all, there's loads of other ones. I could give you the well, I have not written them down, but uh, there there are numerous inconsequential ones after Alexi, but they don't really mean anything. Join us for our next bonus episode when it we, a bonus episode later this year. Heroes of the Soviet Union. <laughs> oh, there are loads. Yeah, we could do that easily. Do that easily. Oh God, that'd be incredible. Anyway, it brings me on to my last question. Uh, we get a glimpse. Of a very badass-looking villain, uh, and I obviously had to look up the name. Uh, could you tell us more uh, about the Taskmaster? 
the Taskmaster. Task. I certainly can. Task. task. This is a north-south divide thing again. He thinks we're all Tom No, Winston. there's not an R in Task. Although, technically, there's not an R in Tar, and I do say Tar. Tar. Okay. I think Task <laughs> Taskmaster sounds taskmaster. not very cool. It doesn't. Well, why Southern is there not one in Master? Southern why is Master taskmaster. not got an R? Yeah, why is Master not got... Oh, you do say a bit of an R. Less of an R. Anyway. Now I'm thinking about it now. I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing it that way because I'm self-conscious. <laughs> uh, Taskmaster, uh, created by uh, David uh, Michelin, who we talked about when we talked about um, uh, Venom and all sorts of stuff. And Georges Perez, who's one of the best, best Avengers artists of all time, mm. introduced in 1980. He's a pure mercenary. Pure mercenary. He's got no evil big grand plan. He's about the cash, cash, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> and that really makes him stand out in this world of Red Skulls and Doctor Dooms and everything. Um, also, he, he his costume is one of the coolest, most awesome designs, costume designs in Marvel. He's a he's a super pirate. He's a pirate with a cape and buccaneer boots and a skull mask, and he's got a sword and a shield. He's cool. He just looks so cool. He's a super pirate because he's lit. You know, because he's a mercenary. He's like, who are the coolest mercenaries? Pirates. Yep. Um. So, the Avengers first meet him in the 1980s, and I won't like like it's one of these it's one of these kind of slightly BS introductions where. If, if someone says, oh, what's the first appearance? Like, Wolverine is a bit like this. If you buy the first uh, appearance of Wolverine, he only shows up, like, at the end. <laughs> and so you have to buy the next one to get the story with him in. It's kind of like that. There's a very confusing Avengers story about a man who goes to, he, he goes to the uh, Avengers mansion and he's wearing an overcoat and he's desperate for help, and the Avengers like have some sort of open door policy, and he just wanders in, and he's like, oh, "Help me! You've got to help me!" And underneath his overcoat, he takes his coat off. He's wearing like a, uh, a mental hospital patient uniform, and they're like, "Oh, you're crazy!" And he's like, "No, I'm not crazy. I'm a clone. I'm not crazy. I'm a clone." And the whole thing is, he's just discovered he's not who he's meant to be. He's a clone of the real him, who the real him has used evil villainy technology and stuff and hired bad guys to clone him and create this exact copy of him to be used as an organ donor because he's dying and it just just it's really quite horrifying it's a very black mirror thing of you discover your life is a lie uh and you're actually a clone and the only reason you exist is so the real you can cut your liver out and have it and every time you tell people, you get you get thrown into an insane asylum, which is where he's come from, and no one believes him. Anyway, the Avengers go to deal with this nonsense, and um, when they get there, Yellow Jacket, Ant Man, and the Wasp all get immediately taken out <laughs> straight away by this pirate with a skull mask, <laughs> who is the is the the Taskmaster. And they're like, who the hell are you? And how have you just beaten three Avengers immediately? And he is very happy to tell them. Um, and, and we learn that the Taskmaster is a, is a mysterious dude who was born with photographic reflexes. Photographic reflexes. Oh, so similar to the, the robot. That robot. I can't remember the great. Well, I don't know. 
at great. The 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 one the one the, the one who is I said was in Modoc. The the one who can replicate things. No, that's a super adaptoid. Super adaptoid. The super adaptoid can absorb and replicate powers. Ah, but not... The Taskmaster has photographic reflexes. Right. The ability to instantly mimic and copy any type of physical skill. Ah, okay. He he can't, like, replicate Wolverine's claws, but he can fight exactly like Wolverine. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. So just by watching news reports of superheroes, he became able to fight... With the same fighting style as Spider-Man, Captain America, and Iron Fist, and Iron Fist, like immediately, mm. and he watches Iron Fist, one of the greatest martial artists walking the planet, and without earning it, without he's he can fight like Iron Fist or Shang Chi <laughs> or whoever. And he he says in this kind of first like you know supervillain kind of speech, mercenary speech to the Avengers, he's like, I did consider becoming a superhero. But I realised there was no money in it, uh, and a criminal career is the way to go. Uh, and then I also realised that supervillains that make public spectacles of themselves get beaten up and thrown in jail. So I'll, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So instead of trying to be a criminal mastermind, he creates a business training flunkies and henchmen to serve the mastermind villains. That's interesting. He becomes. A personal trainer, if you will, <laughs> and and an expert on all things, you know, henchmen and 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 mercenary, and runs this underground operation of training academies, and it's been going on for like a decade, and no hero has ever rumbled him or stopped him or knows about it. Any, if you Hydra, you need some goons. You go to the Doctor Doom. You need some goons. You go to the Taskmaster. Red Skull needs some dudes training. You go to the Taskmaster. It's almost like a private military company. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, for again, Metal Gear Solid reference. He sounds like Big Boss. There you go. Yeah. Um, the uh, Iron Man and Captain America go right. We're going to take this dude down. No messing around. Mm. And Iron Man sees Task Taskmaster like kicking Cap's ass, <laughs> like countering all of Captain America's moves. He's got his own shield, like Cap as well. He can mimic Cap's throwing style. He can, you know, throw the shield so it hits a dozen people and comes right back to him. Um, and uh, he, he even, you know, like he, he he takes Iron Man down, not out, but takes him down. And the Taskmaster is he, his thoughts are, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm really tempted to try and beat the Avengers single handedly on my own because I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But then he's like, no, no. The smart course of action is now they're distracted, escape and go make more money. <laughs> and and so he just does, he just legs it. Um and, 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 and escapes and they don't capture him. And that becomes kind of his thing for a long time. The taskmaster never gets caught because he's he Cause he bravely ba- bravely runs away like brave. He's just Robin. got no he's he's got no ego and he yeah. doesn't like he, he can counter you what you're gonna do and off he goes. Um, I just think of Brave Sir Robin from Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> in in addition to all these training academies he sets up, he also like lends himself out as as a, as a mercenary and a private instructor. When the government want to train John Walker to be the new Captain America, they hire the Taskmaster through their. <laughs> they use their black budget and and bring him in uh, on the QT. They bring in the the private sector. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and um, and then um, 
when Red Red Skull wanted um, uh, Cutthroat to be able to get good enough to fight Captain America, he he hires you know the, the Taskmaster to to train up one specific uh, villain and stuff. Mm. And he's he's a great 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 like he, he's he's got a really cool design and. He he's just again a bit like the Black Widow and Nick Fury were for a while. He's like really great tertiary character. Um, he's he's quite like in, in a way that only kind of like C and D list characters can be. He was quite beloved because um, he looks cool and yeah. he and he like the way he talks is cool. The way, his attitude, which is that I don't hate any of you. I don't hate Spider Man or Captain America. I don't care, man. Like keep doing what you're doing because what you do. Means all there's all these villains everywhere, and that's what pays me, baby. That puts dollar dollar in the bank, y'all. Um, it's almost like he's not part of the game. He's just making he's money. Absolutely, mm. he is absolutely not part of the game, and he does end up doing stuff for the superheroes as well. Um, you better believe that when uh, Das Führer Tony Stark takes over the uh, America's security forces and mm. uh, establishes. Um, a super team, a Tony Stark sponsored super team in every state and has his super prison. Who does he get to do some of this training on some of these <laughs> new kids who've got powers? In comes Tasky, baby. It's almost like if you could pay him enough, he's a good guy. It, it's it just it's it I like that. Money money talks, yeah. He'll do whatever's paying, basically. I like that. That's the that um, is pure mercenary right there. Quite unfortunately, I'm not saying the story is bad, but at some point, someone decided that this guy needed to have his own mini-series, and we need to know his backstory. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. We don't need to know Bullseye's backstory. I, we don't, I don't think we need to know Deadpool's backstory. No. We, don't, we certainly don't need to know the Taskmaster's backstory. But they did it, and it's canon. So... Um, the Taskmaster starts to lose some of his memory. He goes on a, a mission to find out and recover some of them. There's a billion-dollar bounty on his head. He can't work out why. Uh, many of the, of, the, of the organizations he's worked for, like AIM and HYDRA, are attempting to collect the bounty. And he discovers on this kind of quest to find out who he is... That he used to be a happily married S.H.I.E.L.D. agent called Tony Masters. Hmm. Immediately, this lessens my my interest in the character. He is now nine levels less cool. Tony Masters, the Taskmaster. Oh, no, uh. I just saw that. No, 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 no. Um, Bro, they posted cringe and it's now canon. <laughs> During a mission, uh, Tony Masters f- finds an elderly scientist shot in the chest and dying. And before the scientist dies, he gives Tony a syringe containing a Nazi version of the super soldier. It's the last one left. Um, and uh, Tony injects himself for some reason. And he, he begins to develop these abilities, including this photographic reflexes. Um, when, and, and he can he can gain these abilities by watching people, um, but the problem is that by doing that is that 
the the, the memories he has to gain mm. in order to learn those moves override his personal memories. Right. Okay. Every time he watches and 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 basically downloads and learns a new set of physical skills, it takes memory out of his brain. Mm. And as a result, he forgets his wife, um, who is 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 like an, another Shield agent, and they you know are happily married. And he forgets his history with Shield, in order to keep him kind of focused and on track and alive, and keep tabs on him. His wife Mercedes creates this elaborate setup to control and guide her husband in this kind of new, because he's suddenly now going to be a villain. Uh, and she doesn't want him to be a villain villain. So she sets her herself up as his like handler who negotiates all his business deals and basically kind of feeds him all his work and his jobs and keep tabs on him and make sure he's all right. Um, and every time he learns something new, he gets further and further away from remembering her. There we go. But he gains the memories back. And he's like, I remember my wife. And he reunites with her. Um, and you think it's going to be good. But then her life is threatened by a deadly, deadly, deadly enemy that Taskmaster cannot defeat. The only way to defeat him is to learn his moves, oh. get new memories. He does it. He saves his wife's life. But by learning the new set of physical abilities to save her, he destroys his memories again of who she is. And it's suggested in this story that that is not the first time it's happened, that it's happened several times, that he keeps getting back to her, but keeps losing the memory That's of That's not nice. No, it's not necessarily a bad story. It's kind of okay. It's kind of kind of a good, it's got a nice symmetry to it. I just think it sucks to know who the Taskmaster is. Yeah, he's supposed to be mysterious. He's just... It's just we don't need to know. He was cool. He had a cool backstory. Um... Best character design, like incredible character design. He's a cool super pirate. Well, that's been our deeper, deeper dive into the Black Widow comic book history, the Red Guardian, the Taskmaster, the second Black Widow. We've dived through it all, Will. We have. As ever, we've got a reading list for you guys out there if you want to um, hear some of the cool, cool, cool stories we've been talking about. The uh, the, the Black Widow series, um, Black Widow Deadly Origin is pretty cool by uh, Paul Cornell. Um, brilliant British writer, written for EastEnders. Um, very, very cool writer. That's got a lot of the, um, a lot of the Red Room stuff in. Mm. Um, the Marvel Knights Black Widow series... From 1999 by Devin Grayson. That's when you. That's when we get this kind of first new sophisticated update espionage Black Widow that has inspired the movies. That's where we find. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's how do we do her name? Yelena Yelena Belova. Belova. Um, yeah. First appears in that as well. Um, so that Marvel Knights Black Widow 1999 uh, by. Devin Grayson, that's the really great one to get your hands on. The Red Room stuff, if you want to check out. Well, yeah, Deadly Origin, and also Widowmaker. That's a bit more modern. It's by a guy called Jim McGann. Um, Hawkeye is, is in that series as well. Uh, and you get more of, I think, the modern Red Room and what the Red Room is up to right now. 
Um, that is it for this episode. We're, we're going on a little, a little, little break, Will. But the the listeners <laughs> won't, 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 won't have to suffer. No. Um, we're taking some time off. Um, I've got my first family holiday event since like the pandemic and everything. Really, really desperately looking forward to that. It's been a crazy, hectic time with work and podcasting and and health problems and all sorts of stuff so really looking forward to that and will has got an awful lot going on in his life having been headhunted swapping jobs and gaining cats yes they're coming um, well at the time of recording they're coming tomorrow by the time this episode comes up i will already have them he will already have cats we're not leaving you though um because uh, the next episode will be one of our uh, much loved unscripted shows yes that's right no format no movie to follow, no script holding us back. Uh, we're going to dive into our thoughts on the Loki series. Um, we preview the new What If show on Disney Plus, and we both have watched Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, and we come back with our own thoughts and opinions, strong opinions on that. So, if you want to hear us talk about DC for pretty much the very first time, don't miss our unscripted show in the next episode once we're back from our little break we're going to be exploding with new episodes we're going to present the definitive episodes on the x-men phoenix saga Uh, we're going to be using the incredible 90s animated series adaptation because that contains so so much of us to guide us through you do not want to miss those we're going to have more than one episode on that because there's just so much to cover um and also the recent death of director richard donner has made us realize there's a big hole in our marvel journey um the first major blockbuster industry changing super uh, industry changing superhero movie is of course that 1978 superman movie i think it's probably a good time once mm. we get back from this break once we start to be in uh, the merry month of september will i think yes. it's probably time for us to do our very first DC edition of Marvel versus Marvel and really start to put in place some of the very first building blocks on this journey to the MCU. Thanks for listening to Marvel versus Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe, leave a review, share us. Hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel comics and Marvel movies and tell them how much you love the show? Join us next time for our unscripted episode, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Marvel Versus. <laughs> <laughs>